0: Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play.
1: Hey everybody this is alex this podcast is part of the batman universe podcast network so go over to the batmanuniverse.net to help support the TVU server cost drive and you can uh send us your feedback at surveymonkey.com slash r slash feedback that's weird r i don't know why they, why do they put an r right in the middle of it
0: i don't know they Maybe it's just something for how that site works. <laughs> so I have not an hour yeah. before the stage for it. But, hey, we have good news on the server cost drive. Right? We reached the goal at the Batman Universe. So thanks for all those who supported it. And if you still want to continue to do so, there's still uh, you can still donate on the main web page. But since we hit our goal, I think the main thing now is to see what fans want to see from the Batman Universe from that yeah. site. So that's why uh, we got the feedback survey up on the server monkey. Which is a great name, I gotta say,
1: servermonkey.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just looking at these questions. It's, uh, you know, if you reside in the United States, what time zone are you specifically located in? Uh, how often do you visit BatmanUniverse.net? How long have you been a fan slash listener? Uh, I can't go forward to the next page. <laughs> I'd have to actually fill out the answers.
0: Uh, well, yeah, you got the gist of the basic questions, I guess, first yeah. off, when you go to site. So, yeah, go ahead and head on over there and let us know how you think the Batman universe can get better. So, but, Dane, man, yeah. <laughs> what a week it's been. Yes, it has. <laughs> Especially, I mean, we got to start off on maybe the biggest thing to happen in US sports ever. <laughs> the Cubs are world champions. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of unbelievable because I remember when I uh, first heard about this curse back when I first, you know, started getting into baseball, and I was like, "There's, there's no way that the Cubs can ever win a World Series if it's been this long." And this was back in the '90s. Now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're never gonna do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially they've had good teams before, and then oh, something would always happen. That <laughs> Makes them choke and blow it. I mean, we got, uh, we mentioned it before 2003 with Steve Bartman, but he gets too much playing because that shortstop made that crucial error that botched the double play that really caused him the game. Those, that. The curses, like the Billy Goat, the black cat that ran on the field that one year.
1: Yeah, but it, it wasn't only Bartman, it wasn't, it wasn't only that shortstop, it was also um, Dusty Baker keeping in uh, Mark Pryor for too long. That's true. Yeah. Right.
0: And what? But what was great about this year's team and the team that finally did it, they did have some moments that made you think, uh-oh, this is it. This is what happened. <laughs> That's going to cost them the series. Davis-Homer. The
1: Davis-Homer. And then going yep. into extras, the rain delay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, I don't
0: know about you. But that was one of the best Game 7 wins, or Game 7 games of the World Series that I've ever seen. Probably... Since 2000 2011, that was a good game six, but not a good game seven between Texas and the Cardinals, yeah. where Texas blew it. Probably since 2001 with the Yankees and the Diamondbacks, even though they lost, yeah. it was still a great suspenseful game. And this one was right up there. I mean, the way the Cubs had a five one lead, and then Texas, I mean, uh, Cleveland just chipped away, and then when they tied it in the eighth, I thought, oh, this is it. Cleveland's going to win another heartbreaking loss for the Cubs. But man, they. Persevered and got that win when you didn't think they would, and that's what set this team apart from all the other Cubs teams over the last 108 years. That just couldn't get that final win. And 108 years. And I am Just saying that is weird, and now it's gone. Yeah,
1: 1908. <laughs> I, I mean,
0: now it's 2016. The last time they won a World Series. <laughs> I mean, you know, we always we talk baseball. You know, when who's listening? For knows, I'm a Yankee fan. You root for the A's, but. Unless you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan, which is the Cubs' rivals, the Chicago White Sox, which is their American League rivals, and the Cleveland Indians, who they just beat. If you're any of those fan bases, if you're not any of those fan bases, I should say, I don't see how if you like baseball, you cannot be excited for the Cubs and winning this World Series. We saw history (laughs) this week. So it was just really cool. I mean, even though my team wasn't involved in the postseason at all, I got all wrapped up in the Cubs trying to pull this off because they really looked like they had the team to do it and then they were able to seal the deal and get that championship. So I was all into it this week. It was awesome.
1: You're definitely pulling for them. Everybody was. I mean, unless you're, a, mm-hmm. like you said, a White Sox fan or a Cardinals fan or whatever. A Cleveland fan, right? But I, I have to say, and I will admit it, Tim, that I was wrong. <laughs> about the uh, about the Indians and uh, Terry Francona, um, and I thought I was right when they went up, when when uh, the Cubs, I mean, not the Cubs. The Indians went up three games to one, and they.
0: Yeah, it was looking good for you for a yeah, while. yeah. Yeah,
1: I was like, oh, I guess I'm gonna win win our little thing this <laughs> this year again, and then the Cubs come back and win Game Seven. So I have never been so happy to lose to you tim
0: <laughs> i know it's like you just get so caught up in yeah the cubs winning with the awesome but at the same time too this is what why i was so excited about this matchup between the cubs and the indians two teams that haven't won in forever that no matter who wins it's going to be pretty cool to see but the cubs is going to be a little more special just because of that 108 years yeah, so, yeah i was beating it all up the next last few days watching every, post-game stuff and even their parade that they had yesterday was pretty cool to see so it was awesome and i'm sure i in fact i know he is mark is just ecstatic <laughs> you know, i don't think he slept the day they won <laughs> i don't think
1: he went i don't think he went to work just like a lot of people in chicago <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i don't really i mean who's gonna go to work that day if you're a diehard cub fans living how chicago? could you i mean... I, I know <laughs> I know kids had that day off from school of the day of the yeah. parade, so that was
1: good. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's anybody alive that can remember the last time they won the World Series.
0: I think there is actually well, Really? No, maybe not remember yeah. it, but I heard a news report about an old lady who was 108 years old who was watching oh, the wow. game. So she was born when they last won, but <laughs> probably didn't see it. But still, that's pretty amazing. Or even the
1: last time they went to the World Series, 1945.
0: Yeah. Yep. I mean... Jeez, and even that was so long. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, how
1: could you go that long without even making it to the World Series?
0: I know, man. This is insane. And now Theo Epstein, their team president, has automatically got his ticket into the Hall of Fame. Oh, year. yeah. Ending the curses of the Red Sox and the Cubs. I mean, gee... <laughs> That's something awesome that he has to, gets to put on his resume now.
1: <laughs> just really great to see the Cubs win. Yeah. Just really great.
0: So i said before, if the Yankees and the Cubs met up in the World Series, that might be the only time I'd be okay with the Yankees losing just because, like I said, to see the Cubs break their 108-year curse. But they got that out of the way now, so I don't have to worry about that World Series matchup. <laughs> yeah. If that were to happen, where I could just root for the Yankees to beat the Cubs. And now that they've won... It's time for the Yankees to start a new dynasty. That's the next important thing to happen in baseball.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it was great seeing all, um, all those ex-athletics in uh, in the teams. Uh, Zobrist, Lester. uh, Zobrist,
0: what's on? Oh, was he part of that Lester trade?
1: I don't think he was part of the Lester trade. No, he no he wasn't. I think he might have went after. After uh, uh, Lester? Okay.
0: Because I know he was on Kansas City last year when they yeah. had won. Was he on Oakland before like the start of that year or something?
1: No, no. He was, I think, 12 13, I think it was. 12, uh, yeah, 2012, I totally 2013, I think it was.
0: Yeah, I totally forgot about
1: yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Lester, Zobrist, who, who got the uh, game winning run, RBI.
0: Yep, World Series MVP.
1: <laughs> um, Dan Otero, uh, relief pitcher. Oh, that's Yeah. Right. And, of course, Coco Crisp, who got so close to winning a World Series, and unfortunately he didn't.
0: And he got some big hits for them, though, that's yep. for sure. Not in, this, not in all of the series, but like in the American League Championship Series and the Division Series, he played good for them. I
1: wonder what it's like being traded away to a, to another team after you've been with t- the team. A team for so long, and then you end up going to the World Series with your new team. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's gotta it's got feel yeah, great. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's like. But anyway.
0: But imagine how it feels for the a person who gets traded from the team that won the World Series oh, yeah. to another team. Like <laughs> mean, they still get a ring, but I mean, you want to be there when they actually win it.
1: Was there anybody? Uh, for the Cubs.
0: Um, the Yankees got a picture from the Cubs. Adam Warren and they actually traded him in the offseason to the Cubs but it didn't work out and then they got him back and he year, was
1: a so. major leaguer huh yeah. oh wow <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel bad for him
0: he, he did pitch well for the Cubs but he pitched good for the Yankees I think he felt more comfortable at the Yankees yeah. but I think he might still get a ring I think that's usually how it works even if you're on the team for any part of the yeah. season you should still
1: get a ring what about which is what cool. about the uh, 40 man
0: I think they do too hmm. Because I, I know announcers get rings, so I would yeah. think those on the 40-man roster would get one.
1: <laughs> or I wonder if you you play, you play got sent up for, let's say, two games, and then you went back down after those two games. I wonder mm-hmm. if you you um, get a ring.
0: I want to say yes, because if I remember back in 2009 when the Yankees yeah. won, there were some players who were up and down a little bit throughout the season, and I remember seeing them get rings, so I think they do.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if the grounds, uh, the grounds people, and you know the, um, you know how the clubs have those old fashioned uh, um, scoreboards. I wonder yeah. if those guys get rings too.
0: <laughs> maybe there's different levels. Like the players and the front office people get the really yeah. good rings, and then the rest of the crew get maybe yeah. <laughs> a lesser type ring.
1: Or I think they get watches or something. I don't know. They they, they know. do get something. Because I remember reading something about that. There was like a, um, not a scout, but more like a player. Um, I don't know what you call them. Like they, uh, they look out for players and stuff. Um, okay. You know, they give recommendations to the GM on who to pick up and who to get rid of and stuff like that. Okay. I heard that they get like, like some kind of consolation prize, like a watch or, uh, or something like that.
0: I'd rather have the ring. <laughs> but yes. I guess that's up to the, the company. Or the Especially team.
1: if you're a Cubs fan. fan or, I know. You know, you work for the Red Sox or something when they broke the curse.
0: Yeah. What's cool for the coach, remember the player Eric Hinsky? Yeah. He's a coach on the, on the Cubs, so now he has three rings from arguably the three like greatest historic franchises in the baseball, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Cubs. Oh, <laughs> He's got like the only player or person to have that, I think, right now. I don't know which
1: one he thinks the most of.
0: I know. I'm sure right now with yes. the Cubs, but I imagine being a player and getting a ring has got to feel special, too. So I'm, I think probably the Red Sox. The Yankees, he was traded midseason, and he had a few at bats, but wasn't a big part of that team. So maybe that one's not his most treasured. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cool to have those three rings. I
1: wonder if the Cubs are going to lose any of their. Um... I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, uh, I guess like legacy in a sense, where it's like you know they've they haven't won since nineteen forty five. I mean nineteen oh eight. They haven't made it to a World Series in nineteen forty since nineteen forty five. And then there's the whole thing in two thousand three and you know stuff like that. I wonder if they're gonna lose any of that sort of uh, mystery to to them. I guess.
0: No, I think you're right, actually. That is probably going to be the case for some people because they just lose that appeal and yeah. draw, you know, of always losing. And is this finally going to be the year? That like
1: like, like This was know, the year. So. Like, you know, the Cubs are an old team. They play in an old stadium, mm-hmm. Wrigley Stadium, one of the original um, baseball stadiums and stuff like that. I wonder if that happened to the Red Sox with uh, Fenway. I think it did, actually. Yeah.
0: I've heard sports talk shows say, you know, it just has the fan base, I mean, they still love their team, over there in Boston, but it just hasn't been the same since they won. Oh, like something is, and I think that is gonna like happen. something
1: is missing. Oh, I see.
0: Yeah. And probably if the Cubs run off a couple of World Series over the next few years, they'll might become the most hated team in yeah. baseball. <laughs> like the Yankees were in the nineties.
1: <laughs> yeah, and hopefully they can avoid that collapse like the Red Sox did in uh was it twenty eleven I think it was? Yeah. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> they can avoid that.
0: Yeah, where that's where Dio and Terry Francona left Boston <laughs> yeah. was that debacle of the season.
1: <laughs> well, they both bounced back. Definitely, <laughs> <was crazy>. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, congratulations to all you Cubs fans. Congratulations to uh, Mark because uh, he was definitely pulling for that team to win.
0: <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> On pins and needles <laughs> that night if you saw his
1: tweets. Uh, it was great. What I don't get about Mark is because I follow him on Twitter uh, he likes uh, the Cubs right he likes mm-hmm. the the uh, Chicago Blackhawks um, but he doesn't like the Chicago Bears
0: so he likes the Panthers yeah he likes oh. the Panthers
1: I wonder why that's a good question yeah, yeah.
0: Mark has to enlighten us as yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to so why he doesn't like or root for the Bears or is
1: he a Chicago Bulls fan
0: oh yeah that's another yeah. one
1: or I think the MLS team is um, the Chicago fire firehouse or something fire, I, I got no clue on that yeah one. yeah <laughs> but soccer <laughs> yeah so i'm I, I'm just wondering why he's not a bulls fan or a Pan, I mean a bears fan it's kind of weird how you how you would have like two Chicago teams and I think he's from I think he's from Chicago. I'm just wondering why he's a Panthers fan.
0: Yep, yeah, let us know now. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what else was awesome on the week of the World Series? What game? else? On game, the night of Game Five, when the Cubs started their comeback from being down three-one, my brother went to the Stanley Comic Con, and he brought back my Batman animated book that I've had since 1998. One of my favorite Batman books ever. Signed by Kevin Conroy. What a good brother. Yeah, boy.
1: What a good brother.
0: Yeah, I got to give big thanks to my older <laughs> brother, Sal. He was, uh, it was just awesome to get that Because he told me he was planning on going to meet him. And what should we have him sign? we got you know, the DVDs and stuff. But go, that Batman animated book would be really cool to get signed by Kevin Conroy. And he took it. And what was awesome about it? what he told me, he said he had a great encounter with him. Where he brought the book to him to sign. And Kevin Conroy was just like enamored with it he was like, oh wow this is a really great book he was starting flipping through it looking at it oh, and wow. then getting engrossed at it and then he tells him you know what this is something special this is like no ordinary book this is a collector's item you got something really rare here because somehow they don't they're out of print now they don't make yeah. them and it was just really cool to hear him say that and my brother said after he signed it and flipped through it then he went to take his picture like before he left he kind of grab the book and get it started to lick through it and flip yeah. through it. It was just really cool to hear that experience. And then I didn't know he was gonna have a personalized where it says to Tim Kevin Conroy, which made it even more special. So that was awesome. It's just even though I wasn't there to meet him, I it's just cool to have something that's signed by Kevin Conroy, personalized with my name on it in one of my favorite books ever. So that was awesome. I got a kick out of it. Okay, so
1: like, so I have two questions, Tim. The mm-hmm. first question is why didn't you go and the, and, I knew that was and the And the <laughs> second question is, what kind of book is
0: it? Okay, first question, because he, my brother got his tickets in advance, and I have to say, I didn't think or realize this Stanley Comic Con was going to be that big where this many names were going to go to it. I kind of found out later on that Kevin Conroy was going to go, and it was just one of those things, and I'm not a big con guy anyway, that's why I never didn't have big interest in going to this one, but... I think probably next time (laughs) I'm gonna have to go if he's gonna be there and some of the other guests that they had because I think I did miss out on a pretty cool opportunity. So it's my fault. wasn't really on my radar. Didn't think there'd be that many cool guests to go at this comic convention. But now
1: I know better. (laughs) And you've never met him, right? No. Yeah.
0: yeah. Unfortunately. But yeah, you
1: you have met uh, Bruce Tim, right?
0: Yes. Met Bruce Tim. And made him cry. Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's right. I forgot
1: that. (laughs) The, uh... If you've never seen the video, I think it's on the, uh... uh, Batman Universe uh, YouTube. Yeah, Uh,
0: should still be. It's been a few years. So Tim went to (laughs) the Dark
1: Knight Returns premiere. And he interviewed Bruce Tim. And what did you bring up again, Tim? Oh, the anniversary. That month. It
0: was 20 years in Batman the Animated Series. Yeah,
1: yeah. And... Bruce Tim got a little choked up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and he even called me I'm like, "Oh, why would you have to make me cry now? Or make me feel old?"
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I I'm I'm happy for you, Tim. Uh, thanks. We
0: yeah, it was really cool. Finally
1: got something from your your hero.
0: <laughs> One of them, yes, <laughs> from that classic show. Yeah. And to answer your second question about the yeah. book, it came out in 1998. It was like the first book that was just all about the production of Batman the Animated Series and the history of how it started. It's by Paul Dini and Chip Kidd. They've worked together on a few different projects. And it was just really cool and how it laid out the history of the series getting started. A little bios on the characters, the voice actors, and just great, great artwork of, you know, uh, production, production art, concept art, layouts, character designs, and just really cool behind-the-scenes info on it. So, It was a book I kept looking at looking at over and over again when I first got it and surprisingly it's still in very good condition (laughs) considering how much I looked at it and what's awesome too there's like a two page fold out in the middle that you open it up and has an image of every title card from every episode of Batman the Animated Series which is awesome so unfortunately that's the only part of the book that's a little bent (laughs) of that page of the title cards so other than that it's in really good condition but that always bothered me a little bit because like, that's my favorite part of the book actually just always flipping through it's almost like a poster where you flip it and you see every title card and seeing them all put together like that is really cool but there's a the little part of the top that's bent but other than that it's in pristine condition and but now that it's signed by Kevin Conroy I'm kind of thinking uh, I don't know if I should ever touch this book again because <laughs> I don't want anything else to happen to it I want to keep it in pristine condition right. now forever so you but, get it framed, yeah. Or and I was gonna say now, put it in yeah. Frame. Not only did he sign it, but Kevin Conroy
1: touched it. So. <laughs> <laughs> or, or put it in a jacket at least.
0: Yeah. Right now, it's in like a little plastic bag, and I, instead of keeping it on my bookshelf like I used to, it's just in my dressing drawer. <laughs> a little more secure. So.
1: <laughs> so it goes without saying that you had a good past week.
0: Yep, it was awesome. Like I said, with the Cubs' great World Series win, and then getting one of my favorite books signed by Kevin Conroy. It was a great past week, so yeah, <laughs> can't complain.
1: Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah, and I, I uh, forgot to mention, when we were talking about the World Series, did you see uh, Chris Bryant was smiling when he fielded, fielded the last out? Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: that, was that was pretty cool. Like, he, it's, it's right here. Yeah. We're gonna win, and he slipped a little yeah, bit, yeah. too. Oh, my God, good thing he didn't throw
1: away. <laughs> oh, could you imagine if he, if he um... Messed up on the throw.
0: That would have happened to any other Cub team, probably, besides this one.
1: To continue the Uh, but anyway, yeah, like like I said before, congratulations to Mark, and congratulations to every Cub fan who's been waiting a long time for this, and it has been a long time. (laughs) It's been 108 years.
0: (laughs) I don't know if we'll ever see a drought that long again. Hopefully, not. That's the
1: longest drought in any major sport. That has to be, I right? I think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's anybody else.
0: Nope, because there's no sport, I don't think, that's older than baseball. Yeah. So, 108 <laughs> is pretty darn old. Yeah, low.
1: definitely. Uh, but anyway, uh, you, you want to get into our minute-by-minute commentary? Rises minute-by-minute uh, commentary? Yes, All right, so... so
0: We're getting to a really good part here. <laughs> well, we might actually make it.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I'm gone crossing my fingers that we'll, we'll actually... Get to the Batman and Bing confrontation. Um, Thanks, but for this episode, we're going from minute 71 to 72. So get your HD DVD, get your um, beta tape, get your laser disc. I got it this time, Tim. Uh, get did. your VHS tape, <laughs> get your projector. Um, think you got a cup? A radio play. <laughs> yeah, uh, thinking back to 1945, 1908. Uh, did they even have radio back in 1908?
0: No, they didn't have. So the only way to see the Cubs uh, last one a World Series, you actually had to yeah, be there
1: or buy a newspaper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't. I still can't believe it, Tim. <laughs>
0: I know, see We saw history. Yeah. This past few this past week, so <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it so awesome.
1: Um so yeah, get, get all of that media and just cue it to the seventy first minute and I'm gonna give it the countdown. So Tim, are you ready? That's all right, two. three to one, hit play.
0: Cat okay, was casually walking up to Bane's guards and he gets pulled away. <laughs> and then she starts running.
1: Where's she running to?
0: I know. See, I would've liked it if well, she did kick that guy yeah. right there, but I would have loved it if they were fighting together a little bit more, kind of like they were on that rooftop.
1: Well, you can kind of see it that they were connected.
0: Yeah, I just wish the sequence was longer. I love seeing them work together. Yeah, we made it. There we go. We're gonna see Bane and Batman finally.
1: It's only been seventy-one episodes, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wow.
0: It's almost like the Cubs waiting one hundred and eight years to win. Imagine if it was one hundred and eight episodes. <laughs> I love Bane's dialogue here. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. And Batman doesn't even say anything. He just walks right up to him and is about to punch. Yes. And we're officially
1: at the fight. There we game. go. Finally. <laughs> and we have to leave uh, it there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great spot. Batman is about to punch Bane and Bane grabs okay. it with his fist. So.
1: <laughs> well, at least we're getting somewhere. So, Tim.
0: I know three historic things have happened. Cubs won the World Series, I got an autograph by Kevin Conroy, and we made it to the part <laughs> I was most looking forward to on this commentary.
1: <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, did, did you want to uh, tell the people at home what we're going to be talking about uh, for a featured topic?
0: Yep, this featured topic is going to be already our review of Batman the Telltale series, episode three. I, I just love how these episodes keep coming <laughs> so quickly. I think it's two episodes ago, we were talking about episode two. So. It's cool that the next one came out and right off the bat I'm just gonna say it again I love this series <laughs> this one wasn't disappointing at all. I won't say it didn't leave a lasting impression I mean like the first two did but that's no way to say it was bad or it just I don't know like it's still telling the story it's in the middle part of this uh, five episode run so it just wasn't quite to me as memorable as the first two but there was still a lot of great moments in this one and a lot of it has to deal with you know the choices you and me made (laughs) the last big one from episode two where harvey dent got transformed into two-faced yeah and one of the things i loved about this episode was that it just wasn't automatically his face gets scarred he's two-faced he's still harvey dent he's in the hospital one of the first moments of the game bruce visits him and he's still the harvey that bruce knows i mean these are differences of course i mean he's had a traumatic experience but slowly throughout the course of this episode you see that transformation into 2 Face and the dual split personality but i just love the idea right. he did wasn't automatic when he got scarred he was still trying to make it work as harvey dent you get moments where you see him as the mayor in his office trying to run gotham and certain things happen where uh, he finally becomes 2 Face. and i Probably should have said that to start, but spoilers for this <laughs> episode if you haven't played it already. So, but that was probably my favorite aspect of this latest episode was seeing how this was a different take on Harvey becoming Two Face. It, it was slowly a slow progression that cultivated in a full turn at, by the end, which I bought into. I thought was really cool. So, what do you think about Two Face in
1: this one? I thought it was really well done. Um, mm-hmm. Like like in that first interaction, you, you can see he's he's the same Harvey. Uh, he's talking to Bruce like how they they talked in uh, the the first two episodes, but then he's fighting with himself because he kind of I don't know l- loses himself and he's arguing with himself back and forth uh, with both with both sides of his face I guess you could say he, I mean when w- when he's arguing with himself when he's that two faced side you see the two face you see the scarred side when he's Harvey you see the the untouched side I thought it was really well done it re- it reminded me of um, uh, Two-Face from uh, the animated series where he has problems yeah. beforehand like he, you can clearly see that he has some kind of mental problem and then the the whole accident happens and he snaps kind of reminds me of that but done differently it's, th- it's not just a, a, a copy of that they, they add their own spin to it. So I, that that probably was the best part of the episode for me.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And the other big thing that happened in this episode was Bruce Wayne having to step down or being forced to by the board of Wayne Enterprises. And we've got a cool uh, moment with him and Lucius Fox trying to figure out uh, the whole thing that he's going through in the Sons of Gotham of what they're trying to do and that toxin they're using. But as a, the story progresses in that moment, the board tells Bruce, you know, they're wanting you to step down and I'll try to do what I can, but it looks like you're going to have to. And you have the choice of kind of being mean and, or like saying, how could the board do this? Or you could try to go along with it and be play the nice guy route. And But it turns out when you step down, because I thought it was going to happen anyway, uh, I was Cobblepot. Is gonna take over as the CEO of Wayne Enterprises, and I just want to punch that guy. (laughs) The stuff that he does, like he hands you that watch in that glass case, and he drops it on purpose. Like, but for me, I tried to play the calm and cool Bruce Wayne in that moment, not to lash out and punch him. Like it gave me the option to do so. That was another big aspect of the story where right now Bruce isn't gonna be in charge of Wayne Enterprises. Cobbapod is, but he wants. Then you have the choice of having Lucius leave Wayne Enterprises come work directly with you or have them stay there and be your eyes and ears which I chose to do so that was another big aspect of it It, of the game which I thought was pretty cool to put Bruce in that scenario but have Penguin be in charge of Wayne Enterprises yeah
1: and you can kind of see where they're going where they give you the option of um, you can either have Lucius as your guy in Wayne Enterprises and in the beginning with Montoya you can choose to help her, or you can choose to help uh, Harvey. Mm-hmm. And I chose to help Montoya. And it looks like she's going to yeah. be part of, or help you along as uh, when you're Batman and stuff. Yeah, I
0: know. More cool decision makings in this episode, too, which I'm sure we'll get to at yeah. the end when we have those review questions of the big decisions of the yeah, game. Yeah. And then the detective mode was back in this one when you're at the... Uh, that sky station for the the sky tram, yeah. where you have to put the pieces together, how they're to transporting that toxin. That was cool to have back in this one. And then you get uh, the fight of the leader of the children of Arkham, and the Catwoman is there, which you know you thought she was. The whole thing is she playing two sides, is she being forced to do this? So you escape after you stop his plan from releasing the toxin through those sky trams. Uh, you're badly injured, and Catwoman takes you back. To her apartment, and you have the choice to <laughs> make that night really memorable for Bruce and Selina, <laughs> or just have it where he recuperates on a couch. But regardless, Two Face or Harvey comes because you know him and Selina have this relationship going, and he sees Bruce there, and that's kind of what sets him off to going in full Two Face mode there. And that's really where the split personality personality came in, where he's just enraged, trying to attack Bruce and Selina, but the good Harvey comes out and Bruce is able to talk some calm him down that was another great thing where do you go full on the great choice I should say that you had to make where do you go full on attack mode on Harvey or do you try to calm him down and and do it in a way that won't hurt him which was cool and so Harvey does uh, you know get his composure by the end of it and he, he leaves on his own willpower but it's pretty hard not to think he's gonna be full blown two faced in the next episode because while there's maybe a little bit of Harvey Dent in there, I think the two faced part is gonna fully take over in the next episode because of that whole circumstance of Bruce and Selena and him.
1: Yeah. And to me the I mean, going back to the detective mode, to me that was the the big uh not sort not not a letdown, but more of a disappointment where It was too easy to to solve it was just okay you connect this with this and that and that whereas that first one we did was a little more complicated there was a lot more uh you had to put things together because things wouldn't work uh this one was more just they were right next to each other so you connect that with that and you know it was it, it was a little more straightforward and i i mean i don't want complicate a complicated big puzzle you know where it, where where it takes mm-hmm. you hours and hours to solve but i also don't want it to be so simple
0: yeah i hear you i mean it's a cool element to the game but it's not my favorite part of it so uh it didn't bother me either way cuz i do agree it was a little more simpler there wasn't that many pieces to connect but at the same time, I am kind of want to get the story going, so right. I wasn't too disappointed that it went pretty quickly. But I kind—I know what you're saying, though. Yeah, where it was a little more simpler than the one in the first episode. It's because,
1: like, with with you know, Arkham Arkham Knight, Arkham City, Arkham Asylum, I felt that um, the detective mode parts were and and the puzzles overall were some 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 of my favorite parts in in those games. And I don't know if I'm comparing the two and maybe I shouldn't, uh, but I kind of want more of that in this Batman game, but at least we have something.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better than nothing, yeah. I would suppose. <laughs> but then in the last part of this episode was where Bruce is going to make his formal announcement that he's stepping down from Wayne Enterprises and he has a script that you have the choice to stick with or kind of expose the Children of Gotham and (laughs) Cobblepot as being involved with it. So uh, that plays out. I'll tell you what I did when we get to our choices at the end. But um, the big reveal after that is Bruce gets stabbed with a pen by Vicky Vale to put him under the same toxin that Montoya was in Episode 2, just going to make him go crazy And it's revealed that she is the leader of the Children of Arkham, which I wasn't expecting. (laughs) I thought it was going to be, you know, a classic Batman villain in his first stage. Um, Part of me thought maybe it's the Joker, but I'm glad they didn't go that route. And because it's a different twist to have Vicky Vale being (laughs) a villain in this. So the episode ends where Batman's about to go crazy and attack Cobblepot. So... I thought it was a pretty cool cliffhanger to end it on with a good reveal of who the actual villain is. And again, just like all the other episodes, it just makes me can't wait for the next one. So I love this one. Not as much as the first two, but again, I don't want that to sound like it's a, a bad one. Or just, you know, they all can't be on the same level. So this one right now is just on the bottom of the first three. But again, it was still great. More more bruce than batman i would say in this one which is fine we got some cool batman stuff in the second one so yeah i loved it
1: yeah i definitely 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 <laughs> sorry i can't talk to him um, <laughs> i i like this one better than the second one but to me okay. the first one was the best one so far that we that we've gotten um, i I felt that they concentrated more on the story in this one. This was a more story centric episode. Uh, you, you're not Batman a lot. You're mostly Bruce which uh, which I really liked. Um, and I like that it seems like they're heading in the direction where your choices are really going to ma- matter like, like I mentioned before with Lucius and Montoya. Um, also like I said before I really like uh, the sort of uh Two Face Harvey Dent thing, and I'll and I like how uh, they're incorporating Catwoman into this thing where she's just not your regular Catwoman. Um, also, Vicki Vale. Yeah. I did. I I didn't see that coming. It, <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> maybe right? the question: Is this really Vicky Vale, or is this somebody posing as Vicky Vale? Uh, uh somebody posing as Vicky Vale. Who's also working with Penguin? So it. it, it, Yeah, that's plausible. Yeah, it just left me with a lot of questions. Um, If it isn't Vicky Vale, where is Vicky Vale? Um, Yeah, captured Yeah, maybe you gotta rescue her in uh, this next episode. So um, definitely better than the second one, uh, but not as good as the first one. So I think I'd give this one uh, three and a half out of five.
0: Yeah, see, I still can't decide which one I like better from the first or second yeah. one. <laughs> I just love them both so much. But yeah, this one, i would probably right there with you. I was going to give it a three and a half also. It's a lot of great moments. Like you said, and again, still continuing the story that gets you so intrigued for how it's going to end. And there's only two more episodes left. Yeah. So we don't have a date for the next one just yet, but I'm guessing it's going to be sometime later this month. It seems like it's one a month since it came out. So yeah, I already can't wait. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um so so if you're if you're on the on the fence on this game definitely get it because um yes. it's really really it's really really good um Batman story and it's really really good uh sto- storytelling so definitely get it if you um if you're on the fence about it um but now we can move on to uh our news and discussion right
0: Oh did you have the questions ready to go Oh, oh
1: my god yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Uh, All right. big part the, of the, the game. most important part <laughs> of the game. Uh, who did you help in the beginning? Did you go did you go after I mean, did you go help uh, Montoya or did you go help um, Dan Harvey Dan?
0: I was like you. I went to go help Montoya because the reason was I felt Batman really wanted to, you know, get more information on the children of Gotham. Montoya had a lead. She's outnumbered, so go help her and Get what you need to get more information and find out what the children of Arkham are up to. And Harvey Dent, he was with Gordon, so Gordon knew this and the police there. And in the end, they helped him. Nothing I'm like too drastic came out of that just yet. But I wonder how it would have played out with Montoya if we didn't go there. So, but yeah, I chose Montoya.
1: Yeah, and pretty much all the reasons you gave why you went after Montoy or went to help Montoya first uh, is the reasons why I did too so um uh 60.2 percent uh did and 39.8 went after uh uh, rescued harvey first uh the second one is did you punch uh oswald
0: (laughs) no i didn't i was (laughs) tempted but like i said i wanted to play the calm and collect bruce in that situation don't make anything worse <laughs> you'll get your moment i'm sure so
1: yeah i didn't either and 67.7 did didn't didn't oh, wow. sorry didn't <laughs> oh, okay and 32.3 <laughs> did
0: i was gonna say man a lot of people really hated po- cobblepot in that moment uh
1: <laughs> it was hard not
0: to i gotta say I was tempted
1: oh but... yeah especially when he dropped your um your your uh your gift from alfred
0: yeah it was a watch yeah I
1: believe. um the third one is: Did you ask Lucius to stay at Wayne Enterprises or come work for you?
0: I had him stay at Wayne really? Enterprises because <laughs> yep yeah, i I like the idea of having someone in there that Bruce can trust. Yeah, let him know what's going on because you know he knows Cobblepot's dirty and he's behind all this. So it's good to have someone in there to be your eyes and ears for what's going on. So I thought it'd be best if he stayed.
1: Yeah. Um, I. Said to work for me, and uh, thirty four point five percent did, and sixty five point five percent of people said uh, or told Lucius to stay at Wayne Enterprises. So the people are with you, Tim. I guess I guess yeah. you're part of that. Group.
0: I'm curious to see what's going to happen now on your plate. Tim. Yeah. that's going to have a big effect. Well,
1: I figured <laughs> that that lady that comes and talks to you, um, uh-huh. I figured she's kind of on Bruce's side, right? She said she's on Bruce's side. Uh, when you first meet up with her. So I figured she could be my um, uh, person in Wayne Enterprises. And I could use Lucius. But here's the
0: thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Lucius is there for Bruce and Batman. That lady doesn't know he's Batman.
1: So. Yeah, but Batman doesn't really have any place in Wayne Enterprises. Bruce does.
0: But there could be something that Lucius finds out that, you know, would be more. That he would know it'd it, it be for Bruce for him to look out as Batman what that lady there she's just looking out for Bruce Wayne to get his name and spot back in the company but Lucius could give him something to stop the actual children of Arkham since he knows he's Batman so I think that was <laughs> <laughs> one of the main choices why I let him stay
1: I, I mean I guessed him but I figured it, was better <laughs> be, it, it would be better to have Lucius with me and I could get more um, Batman stuff
0: well, what was his reaction when you said to come work with him? He was just
1: like, "Oh, okay. I'll uh, I'll uh. Oh my man, what did he say? Uh, oh, like, you tell because like, he
0: wasn't too thrilled to stay at Wayne Enterprises when I had a. Oh really? <laughs> uh, Said he should stay there. He's like, okay, but I think it like type of thing. I think it'd be best if I just left and all. I, that.
1: I think he just says, says something like, "I'm gonna grab my stuff and uh, and leave or something like that." okay (laughs) um the fourth question is did you romance (laughs) selena
0: yes i did (laughs) i mean got to keep in character with the batman that i started this one i went in for that kiss (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's gonna go that way anyway for bruce and selena and i think it paid off for like i said made the (laughs) <laughs> Turned to Two Face for Harvey Dent more believable when you see Bruce <laughs> with Selena at his apartment. Yeah, I guess. And as Harvey said, "Oh, just Bruce standing there in his underwear." <laughs> it's pretty obvious, though. I mean, that was like the key part to snap Harvey into yeah. Two Face. I think it worked out better for the story.
1: Okay, well, I didn't.
0: Ah, so I'm curious to see how that whole scene played out.
1: Uh, y- you just uh, stay stay in that living room, and then um, Harvey shows up. Is. Uh... You you can investigate the um, area first, um, like around yeah,
0: that was table the table and in,
1: in the kitchen and stuff, and and you can take back your uh, back grapple. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, that was all the same so far. Oh, so and,
1: cool. and you could take uh, you could take her um, uh, that that wall climber thing. No, I
0: might have missed that one. I if I yeah, because you
1: could take it, but I, I I chose to leave it for her. <laughs> yeah,
0: she has that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and then, um, yeah, you're in the kitchen, and then you grab uh, bagels or something, or donuts or mm-hmm. something. And then uh, there's a knock at the door, and then Selena comes out, and uh, it's Harvey.
0: Okay, so he still flips out pretty
1: yeah, much the same Yeah, way. yeah, because, I mean, so... you're... <laughs> You're in your underwear. So, did this happen
0: though? Where, because, for how it played out for me, Bruce was in her bedroom with the door shut while Harvey was there. Oh, really? And he, yeah, he was. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Him, oh, crack, right. and then the cat. And the cat yeah. scratched yeah. him or something. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, that was yeah. still the same. I yeah,
1: because you go into her room. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't sound like anything different. Yeah, it, I, <laughs> it came out of. Those I think choices. it was
1: just. Uh yeah you could spend the night with her or not um and the final one is did you beat up Harvey or take it easy on him?
0: I took it easy on him like I mentioned before yeah. that would probably have been the best way I think the way Bruce and Batman would have handled yeah. that situation with Harvey, knowing that they have been friends, and for that moment anyway, it looked like it worked
1: yeah i I uh took it easy on him too because. I mean we, we we all know he's going to be two-faced but um there's still see see that's probably why they did it uh but there's still Harvey in there the you can still mm-hmm. see Harvey in there. um 86.5 uh percent took it easy on him and 13.5 didn't
0: uh, so a lot of good Batmans out yeah. there. <laughs> um
1: And, and oh, what was the percentages for the? Yeah, Slido yeah. I was one? just about to mention that. 90.1 did, and nine point <laughs> 9. nine didn't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah, um, definitely great choices in this one. I'd say it's better than the first two.
0: Uh, I, that second one, that last choice to save. Selena or Harvey, I think that's the best one so far. Wow, that was tough. Yeah, <laughs> I right, mean, right. We, we kind of said how we, we we wanted to see the Two Face in there, so maybe um, it wasn't as tough for us to do because we know what we wanted to see. But I just think in that moment, in that story, we I mean talk about a dilemma to have to face the food and say it, So I thought that was a great one. But you're right, there was great stuff in here. And I'm surprised that it didn't have as one of the major choices if you stuck to the script. On the podium when you're making your announcement of step, oh down. yeah, yeah, right,' Cause i I stuck with most of it. There was one line that I think that I said differently, but yeah. I still wanted to maintain that Bruce Wayne is calm and collective and sure of himself and not to expose himself and play his hand too quickly, so I stuck with that script, yeah,
1: I for the most part did, except for that one line about uh Tom Swain mm-hmm. uh i can I can't remember what your choice was, like I think I think something like uh, uh
0: it was like he's framed or he's innocent or something like that or it's not true
1: yeah yeah something like that yeah oh no no it it the, there was two things one was I'm not my parents or I'm not my my father and the second one was that yeah so so instead of sticking to the script totally I, I had two things that I changed
0: Nah, so I guess it doesn't sound like if it's just two things it's gonna change stuff that drastically. Yeah. Was your uh that lady still pretty happy after you walked off the podium with how yeah. You did? Yeah,
1: she was still happy. Okay.
0: Yeah, she was with mine too.
1: Um but, but yeah, uh that that's all of the choices. So l- like I said before, definitely buy this game. Uh if you if you're on the fence about it, just just buy it. I mean it's it's a great story, right Tim?
0: Yeah, the story's great and like I said when I Play the first episode. It's just so cool being in the shoes of Batman and Bruce <laughs> Wayne and making those decisions. It's just awesome. <laughs>
1: Definitely hard decisions. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um,
0: you're creating, you're really doing your bad yeah. in this story. It's all yours.
1: Um, but now we can finally get onto to the news and discussion topics. So, our first piece of news is unfortunately a bad piece of news if you're a Flash fan, um, yeah,
0: or just a DCEU fan in general. Yeah. But,
1: um, the director of the Flash movie, Rick uh,
0: This is gonna be hard. <laughs> I think it's Fem-Yu-Way. Rick Femue? way Or, or fem
1: Famuewa. Uh, uh. <laughs> um as Yeah. Sorry, we're Yeah, both sorry, be sorry. Bad, sorry. I um he's left the uh, the Flash movie. Um I think it was Creative Differences. Yeah. Which
0: it's just disappointing, especially with the Flash movie, because it's the second director that they have creative differences about, and it's just puzzling to me as far as how can they not be on the same page twice? Warner Brothers, and if it's Jeff Johns, with the two directors on this for the Flash, where it's not that crazy of a concept to be on board with and be on the same page, and I just puzzled by it. Really, it's disappointing. It's just kind of more bad publicity for the DCEU and, you know, directors not be able to do what they want. I mean, when we look at Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad and all the different edits we heard about that and extended cuts coming out because they weren't happy with the theatrical cuts, this just adds to all that mess, I think, where you're just not sure that Warner Brothers has a good handle on all this with the directors, which is disappointing. But at the same time, when I try to put a positive spin on it, it makes me think, where, because this is kind of, I think, the f- first really fallout we've had with one of these movies was, you know, Jeff Johns being l- newly appointed to run the DC movies, which is another reason that had me a little disappointed with where they're still having issues with him involved. But if you want to look at it in a positive way, maybe the director, Rick, I'm just going to call him Rick because <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> butcher his name, uh, maybe he wanted to do some, you know, more different stuff that's not going to fit with the Flash mold and. Jeff Johns really wanted to, you know, keep the core essence of the character intact, and that's why uh, there was creative differences, but I don't know. If it's, it's, that's the positive spin on it, but right now, it's just more disappointment and shame that this stuff keeps happening with the DC EU movies, and if I had to also guess, too, I think the Flash TV show is playing a big part of this, because that's successful, a lot of people like The Flash. They got a great Barry Allen and Grant Gustin, and they're doing good stuff with the characters and his villains. Maybe there were some issues as far as, you know, wanting doing something so different from the TV show that it loses of some of the touches of what makes The Flash The Flash and why we love the character and his world so much, and that's why they're having a hard time kind of finding the right balance of being different from the show, but still keeping it true to The Flash mythos. So, I kind of think all that stuff's playing A factor in while the director left but it just makes me wonder is this movie going to get pushed back now how long are they going to take to find the director and are they able to be on to make sure they're on the same page with this new director and it kind of goes to that point where it's a double edged sword because you want the directors to have the freedom to do what they want and create the movies they want to tell but at the same time they got to play in this new uh, shared universe where they got to you know I don't want to say limited, but they got to play by certain rules in some aspects. They don't have full, full creative control, kind of like Nolan did with his Batman movies. So hopefully it's not, you know, going kind to of just the best parts of the Flash of this movie. And while we're excited for it, all that's still going to be in there when it finally gets going and starts production. But right now, it's just a bummer to learn that the second director has left the project. So... Definitely disappointing news when we got it, and just you know, yeah. just put a bummer on the whole DCEU movie universe that's going on right now.
1: Um, yeah, I I think this is just really really bad from um, from every side. Um, I just don't know why they can't just leave these directors to let them do what they want. We saw that with Batman Batman v Superman which wasn't a good movie, and with Suicide Squad, which wasn't a good movie, uh with the re edits, the story, um, all of that stuff. And I I just think that this is a bad idea because it's not like this this director, um, Rick <laughs> is uh is a bad director. Like he doesn't make good movies. He he made a good movie. Uh and they should have just left him to do what he wanted. To, wanted to do with this character regardless of the TV shows or whatever, right? Um you you're not going to if you're getting heart surgery, you're not going to tell the doctor the heart the heart surgeon how to do heart surgery on you. You know, you're going to leave him to do his thing on you and you're, you're gonna be okay, right? So I don't understand why the why Warner Brothers or or the studios have to, you know, do this to directors. Just just let them go and they'll be fine. We saw that with Christopher Nolan, and that's pretty much it. We 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 see this with the Marvel movies where they just let the directors do whatever they want and their universe is fine. I mean, I'm sure these directors have to stick to a certain thing and they do that, but they also find creative ways to, to kind of go around those things, you know? So I just, I I just don't know what DC's problem is. I don't know what Warner brothers problem is. Just, just, just give these directors the freedom to do what they want. Um, give them guidelines that they have to follow. Um, you, you know nothing impossible that they, they that that would compromise their directing their story um the story of this whole universe um and ju- and just let them go because these are the creatives these are the guys that make your movie you know you don't make a movie in an office building you know you make a movie by going on and shooting it with good actors and a good script and good writers and stuff like that. So j- j- just let these these directors do what they want. And I think it goes to show that a director who, yeah, he made a good movie previously. Um, I think it goes to show that DC and Warner Brothers and or whoever kind of have what they want to do and they – their vision might not be exactly what is best for this universe.
0: Yeah, and it just puzzles me too. Why does it take this long for them to realize there's creative differences? You think, especially after they lost the original director on The Flash, when they were talking with Rick and working everything out and what they wanted to do with The Flash, do you think they'd figure out right then and there if he did have a different vision from what they wanted that they would part ways there and not get into production and casting because he was involved with several casting in this movie like Iris and now he's gone I mean what happened as they were getting ready in pre-production that changed from when they were first you know pitching the idea to him he was given his ideas and he wants to do I mean what happened I wonder I it just for me hard to believe that they didn't work all this out beforehand and they knew what each other wanted to do with this but then all of a sudden something changed which yeah baffles
1: me well i think it's mostly the script the story that's what i'm thinking it is because if we if, yeah, if we look so back at batman v superman and suicide squad which is the two movies that we can use it as examples the scripts were really bad the stories were really bad and why were they bad uh maybe they put too many restrictions on those writers or maybe they tried to rush things a little too fast. Maybe that—I I think this Flash movie was scheduled for uh, 2018, was it? Yeah. I think that was too quick for you know a movie to be made, a, sc- a good script to be written, and a good movie to be, to be made. Which makes me really, really scared for Wonder Woman. I mean it does. I mean I know we haven't seen that movie but I just have a feeling, you know. Well, uh
0: I understand. I mean, how uh, you could you know have trepidation about any of these DC movies now, but yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it when we get to the yeah. trailer, but <laughs> yeah. It's just a shame that this happened with us and I'm the, I'm always up or I try to be optimistic in these scenarios and hope for the best. So hopefully they can find a director be on the same page and just not like you bought you brought up a good point though as far as having things rush and just having their whole movie lineup planned out before they had things in place as far as stories and directors and all that set up It's almost like okay we know what movies wanted to do we got our dates set up we'll worry about getting the writers and directors for it when we get close to those yeah. dates and now they're kind of being shot in the foot at least for the flash in that case where they just can't get on the same page with these two directors. It, so. it,
1: it's it's more in the sense of um, learning to walk before you can run. Uh, Marvel had been in this game for a long time beforehand uh, with this whole universe building. And I think yeah, and they, DC tried to do what Marvel is doing right now.
0: Uh, and Marvel started off small too. I mean, it was just the Iron Man. That was a big hit. Yeah. And then, okay, we'll do Cap and Thor and that will be Lead up to the Avengers, it was just well, counting the Hulk, but so about four movies before they got to the big team up, and and that was all they had mapped out. We'll see how that goes. DC they had what close to ten or so before by 2020, or that was the plan at right. least. We'll see how much of those movies still make it. But I think it was the comparison where Marvel started off kind of small with the characters and movies they wanted to do to build up, and as slowly as it, it, they made good movies and it became popular. Then they started broadening their horizons a bit and getting bigger with their movie releases and all that. So I agree with you where it's kind of, you know, they went about it maybe probably too quickly as, as far as, you know, all the movies they wanted to have out, but yet just kind of expecting it all to work and uh, be okay without, you know, like I said, putting too many eggs in one basket, I guess, before they really focused on a few key movies to set up their universe and then lead up to Justice League and then expand on from there. Yeah. I mean, technically they are because there's only going to be, what, four movies that lead into Justice League kind of like Marvel, but beyond that, they were planning their stuff after Justice League, which uh, it's, it is different than what they're doing, but uh, it's kind of the same but different in a weird way I guess where they had more planned but leading up to the first big team up it was still the same amount of movies but yet their attention it seems at Warner Brothers is a lot bigger and broader with all the other movies they had planned out from now or from 2016 to
1: 2020 yeah, and I've said it uh, said it on Twitter but they should just stick with Batman movies for now honestly that's, uh, that's the <laughs> they, they, they should just stick the, the, I, I mean I'm not trying to be funny here I, I, this is really how I think they, they should just stick with Batman movies and Superman movies separate from each other. Um, that that see, seems to wanna... be the winning formula for them. I mean, we got the Christopher Reeve movies, and then we got the Christopher Nolan movies, and we and we've got the the eighty nine uh, movie, and we have Batman Returns. So you see, I hate that because
0: it shows that it really be a bad look for the studio. How They could not crack how to do a shared universe series of movies. It would just make them look bad. And just even as a fan I'd hate to see them give up because somewhere down the line they've could got to make this work with these great characters that they have. But at the
1: same time what are we seeing? We saw Batman v Superman and what happened with that. And we saw Suicide Squad and what happened with that. So so we're seeing that right now. That's you know, they should just put out Batman, Superman movies, separate movies. Batman movies and Superman movies, and do what Marvel does in the sense where they bring in. Uh, I, sorry, I forget her name, her character's name, but um, Scarlett Johansson's character. Uh, it, yeah, Radio. in a Captain America movie, and um, Elizabeth Olsen's character in a Captain America movie. You know, they shouldn't just dedicate a whole movie for these characters because
0: yeah, but these characters deserve their
1: own yeah, Flash I, deserves I, own I understand that but at the same time we have examples so far that that doesn't work what they're doing is wrong so maybe they should just stick with Batman and Superman movies and introduce these characters through those movies then they get their own movie.
0: Well, they did it with Wonder Woman, so we'll, we're going to see how that plays out with her movie, but she got her small debut in Batman v Superman, which for me worked out really well, so hopefully that continues. It's just, I just think it's more of a problem with their ideas of how they're building this universe and what they want to do with it. It's just, I don't know, like we said, they're having problems with directors. This is the third director they lost in as many movies they've released, <laughs> I because mean, they lost the original director with Wonder Woman but for me anyway right now i look like, that looks like it's going to be a big issue from we have seen from one woman so far patty jaykins looks like she's doing a good job with it so but again we have to wait till we see the final product of yeah. it but i don't know at the same time i know what you're saying and you're you're you have not been a fan of batman v superman or suicide squad so i get how so far these things this has been a bad idea but i these movies definitely have their fans too. People love Batman v Superman. They love Suicide Squad. So I know there's a good portion of those who are still excited for this universe, but it's not the ideal situation, no matter if you like these movies or not, because you can't ignore the fact they are divisive and that's not what Warner brothers and DC wants with this universe. And uh, it just makes me think of they keep having problems like this. How long are they are going to be committed to the shared universe before they decide to do a full-on reboot and maybe go back to what you said, Dane, with just doing Batman and Superman movies. I think Wonder Woman's going to be the key. If that's the same thing like Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, I think they're going to look really carefully at what they're going to do going forward with The Flash and Cyborg, Aquaman, and Green Green Lantern Corps. That actually made me more worried about Green Lantern Corps yeah. actually being made because if they're having trouble with the Flash. I kind of imagine what kind of problems they're going to have with the Green Lantern Corps and the director for that, especially coming off of the 2011 movie. So I'm worried about that one more than anything. Right <laughs> now, but.
1: Well, I think it's yeah, it's the Wonder Woman Wonder Woman movie, but I also think it's this big Justice League one that's coming up. I think that's going to prove. Yeah. If, I mean, I, I think that's going to judge whether or not um, they continue with this. And I kind of feel bad for fans that, you know, lo- love these movies. Um, and I, I, I know you like them. I think I I know Mark likes them. Um, I just feel bad for you guys because it's just... <laughs> what makes it yeah. bad
0: is that you're kind of, you're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, right. Like it's said. There's fans of these movies but they're not sure if they're going to get more of what they like because of these problems they keep having.
1: Yeah, it. and it's not only that. It's it's let's say that Justice League and Wonder Woman aren't, you know, these big movies that everybody expects them to be. And Warner Brothers or DC decides not to do them anymore. Then what happens? Yeah. You know, uh, are, are we going are, are we going to go back to, you know, the 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 late 90s early 2000s? Where
0: we don't get anything. Well, I know, which I really want to avoid. Yeah. I mean, for me, I know. Ah, see, I want to enjoy these movies, like everyone does, and I'd rather them try and get in these movies and get try and get these movies made as best as they can. And if they don't work out, that's it's a shame. But at the same time, I'm glad. I'm so glad they tried because it's not like this Flash movie or this upcoming Aquaman movie and Wonder Woman movie are the only well, they're going to be the only movies, but they're not the only iteration of these characters that we have to enjoy. we got comics, we've got animated series, animated movies, yeah. video games, so it's not like this is the end-all, be-all for Flash, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and all that. I would rather them try to get these movies made to the best of their ability, and hopefully they all turn out, but I'd rather have, see these movies, and I don't want it to be bad, but if they're not full to their potential, I'm still glad they try to get them made and not have them get Yeah, made. but at
1: the same time... I. I don't want to just be like, oh, well, we tried. It didn't work out. You know, I don't I, yeah, I don't want I to be in that position. It... I know that's
0: why I... Maybe I'm putting too much faith in <laughs> Warner Brothers and their team with Jeff yeah. Johns to make sure they're doing all they can to get the best script, the best directors for all this stuff. So, yeah, but... it's it's disappointing we're having this conversation yeah, I know. still. It really is. But
1: I do it may be hard to believe, Tim, but... I'm actually optimistic about all of these movies that are coming coming out.
0: You don't sound like it. Yeah, I <laughs> that mean, is hard to believe.
1: Actually, at the end, of, at the at the end of the day, I'm optimistic about, about all these movies because I want this to work. I I, I want I want oh, to totally. be to be wrong, you know, in in this case. Um, and in the end, all all you can do is be optimistic that they will get one Woman, they will they will have a good movie in Justice League, and they're going to find a good director for Flash, and Green Lancer Corps, and the Batman movie, I know there's rumors that the script might not be that good.
0: Uh, yeah, those rumors are bogus, that's been debunked by so many people now. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I, I, I hope all of this works out, and in the end I can only go on optimism
0: yeah see the way I look at things which I would try to encourage most fans to do just be excited for these movies until you actually see things that don't make you excited for it when you see trailers or uh, commercials for it and whatnot, if it doesn't look good to you then that's maybe when you can could... You know, start having your doubts or whatnot. But until then, be ex- still, be excited for these movies, like you said, with yeah. Flash and Aquaman and Justice League coming out. Until you start seeing things that you don't think looks good to you. So that's how I go about. It. Be optimistic until you have reasons not to be from from what you see, and not from just what you hear from rumors and people in the know or whatnot. Yeah, because no matter how many, if there's rumors and bad reports about Wonder Woman that come out down the line or Justice League. That's not going to affect my excitement for it, unless you know it's it comes out by someone actually involved who says something. You have a direct quote, which I don't think is ever going to happen. I'm going to be excited for these movies until I see something for myself that's not jiving with what I what I hope to see from them.
1: Yeah, and speaking of trailers, um, we got a new Wonder Woman trailer, which was really great to see. Um, yeah, it was
0: like I tweeted out. It was great to get this trailer after the disappointing news we got with yeah. the Flash. <laughs> get some optimism. Right, right an excitement for the DCEU after that disappointing news Yeah,
1: Um, definitely looks good Um, it looks like they're really trying to uh, put all of their I don't know what you'd call it Uh, they're they're trying to put all of it behind Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman which is really great to see Um, she looks great as Wonder Woman Um she, she is Wonder Woman. <laughs> she looks almost exactly <laughs> yeah. like how Wonder Woman looks in uh, the comics.
0: Yeah, this trailer, I mean, it was awesome. I loved it. It didn't have quite the same impact as that first trailer we got at Comic-Con, because that just blew me away. We didn't know really how Wonder Woman was going to look, and that trailer was our first insight to see how awesome and wonderful, wonderful pun intended, this movie is going to look. So that's why I think the first trailer left more of an impact on me, but this one was just more of that great stuff, man. It just looks beautiful. The cinematography of the mascara, yeah. it just looks awesome. Those great shots of her just standing on that cliff, it's looking over the, the water, and she dives in there, assumingly to save Steve Trevor, <laughs> as the story goes. And then just that whole battle sequence just looked really cool. I can't wait to see that one. Because one revealing thing about this trailer was it looks like that the battle on the Mascara between those soldiers and the Amazon is going to take place pretty early on in the movie because Diana is there, um, kind of probably not too long after she rescues Steve Trevor and maybe this the arm, armies are looking for him. They invade the Mascara and that's where they have to battle him and capture <laughs> I have to, take to them out.
1: interrupt you really quick because Wonder Woman does uh does a uh, Assassin's Creed dive. Like, you know when you're on the top and you <laughs> Good, dive yeah. into the hay? Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: exactly what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> you're right, yeah. <laughs> Good that one. Uh, so yeah, I think that battle sequence is going to take place pretty all- early on in the movie. That's going to set everything up as far as Diana taking Steve back to Man's World and all that. So that was a little surprising, but I think it's going to be cool in a different way to get things in motion for Wonder Woman's story. And the action just looks incredible. The fight scenes that Wonder Woman's going to have this looks awesome. in that probably my favorite shot or moment of the trailer is when uh, she's in her civilian clothes with Steve Trevor, and the guy pulls a gun and shoots him, but she blocks it real quick with her bracelet, and then she blocks a bunch of bullets that they start firing her in that alleyway. It, that's a cool moment just in itself. But what makes it even better is that it's pretty much an homage to the first Superman movie, where Clark Kent catches that bullet when they're him and Lois are getting mugged in you that know, alley. Yeah which is a great moment in that movie, so this leg like, is going to be a nice homage to that. So that was cool. And if I had one little nitpick, it would be that I just hope there's not too many slow-motion shots in the action sequences here. <laughs> I, I might have said this on the first trailer, too, because I just like fight sequences that are fast-paced. You can really show off your skills. And too many mo- slow-mo stuff can get, Maybe start feeling a little too matrixy, which I don't want to see in a Wonder Woman Wonder Woman movie. I want to see her show off her fighting skills at normal speed, and not slow motion. It's cool for some shots, like when she. There was also a great new shot in this trailer where she's coming out of that trench. That bullet just fires at her, and she just blocks it so casually. And it's looking really cool off her bracelet. That was a great moment for it, and also that one where you see that Amazon using that grapple of her arrow coming down jumping down that cliff and you see that bullet flying towards her, that was another great use for it, but when we're seeing her do action stuff as she's fighting enemies that's kind of where I don't want to see too much of the slow motion stuff, so my one little concern about it there, but other than that it's still looking incredible and like I said, it's beautifully shot Gal Gadot looks great as Wonder Woman, I think her and Steve Trevor are going to have some great chemistry and good bits in this movie, action looks great yeah, I'm still so excited for this movie so like I said we're talking about the DCEU until I see something that makes me have some concern for it regardless of what's going on with the other movies I'm still super excited for Wonder Woman because everything I'm seeing for it looks fantastic yeah. Um, the
1: the one thing I'm concerned about is right at, at the very end of the trailer where she, where she's uh-huh. she's doing that thing that I don't like where it's like oh what is this you know when she's trying on the dress is like, yeah. oh what is this you know the, what a big world and stuff like that
0: like the fish out yeah, of water yeah fi- fish out of type.
1: water yeah I, I i just hope that there's not a lot of that um but what really could i mean that concerns me because <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything uh but it's it, it's a it's kind of a thing that i brought up when we were talking about batman versus superman it looks like she's fighting in World War I, right? The First World War. There has to be some report of a woman on the battlefield. Hmm. There, there, there has to be. A, yeah. a, a, and why in Batman v Superman, when Bruce opens up uh, or sees that picture of her, um, is, is he like, oh, I, I never seen her before.
0: I think what I'm getting for I mean we'll see what happens to the soldiers she fights with maybe they get all wiped out and it seems like from Batman v Superman she goes out of her way to make sure her identity is kept secret or her time in the war was you know kept secret where she goes after that photo maybe there were some other instances from World War One up until Batman v Superman where she kind of had to get involved and make sure her information doesn't get out No so,
1: no well I mean um, yeah I understand that but when she steps out of the trench on the ladder, it looks like there's a big battle going on. And... Yeah. Th- there had to be some kind of document of this. it, it yeah, is Is what I'm trying to say, because...
0: Maybe they do something, they forge those documents where they don't mention her at all. Maybe Steve plays a part in that. Maybe she, he honors Diana's wishes for her not to be recognized at all in these victories or battles or whatnot for whatever reason maybe we'll find out when we see the movie. I know that is an interesting question though cuz you're right. It does seem like it would be part of the history books yeah. <laughs> when you're in school learning about World War 1.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a woman with long black hair. Um she has a lasso. She has these glowing uh bracelets on. She has a tiara on. <laughs> Superhuman, Superhuman strength. Superhuman strength. Yeah, <laughs> she has a sword. She can deflect bullets. You you would have thought that somebody would write this down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that... I mean, if if in this fictional universe, uh, this fictional world war, uh, representation of World War 1, you would think somebody would have wrote something down about that. <laughs>
0: That is a good point. Yeah, we'll see. I hope they address it in the movie as far as (laughs) why no one remembers it. I don't know. It's
1: it's just a little nitpick that I was uh, just wondering about. uh, (laughs) um, Moving on to the next trailer, we got a new uh, Lego Batman movie trailer. Uh, Yeah,
0: so two two DC trailers in one week. That's always a good thing. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know how excited you are for the Lego Batman movie day. It's one that I'm going to see when it comes out because it does look funny. But I don't know if it's as funny or it didn't come off as funny as maybe I think they were hoping in this trailer for me. There were some great bits in there. I like the idea of Batman being this lonely Lego guy <laughs> in Wayne Manor. And then he offers trying to get him to, you know, work. But they didn't say it was Dick Grayson, but this new kid character who turns out he's going to be Robin, but it doesn't look like Dick Grayson. So we'll see where that goes. But I like that kind of the story concept of this but the, some of the gags and jokes they had at the end didn't really hit the mark for me but there were some good ones. My favorite ones is where uh, the, the kid is trying to become Robin and he like he has his costume but then he rips off the pants part <laughs> of it to make it like the old uh, Robin style designs and the Batmans doesn't like it <laughs> and stuff with the Joker where he's kind of saying I'm your greatest enemy and Batman's all superman's my greatest enemy and they have like a little lego clip from batman v superman which was pretty funny but there's some good gags in there but we'll see how it all comes together because like i said some of the jokes didn't really hit the mark for me in this trailer but i still think it's going to be just a fun good time with a yeah. batman movie i was kind of expecting it to have the same impact on me like the trailer for the adam west Returns the cape crusaders movie did with that the jokes in that really got me hooked and excited to see the movie. And the Lego Batman trailer didn't have that same appeal as far as the funny aspect in, that I know they were going for with it. But it still like it's, looks like it's going to be a, a good, fun Batman movie to enjoy in the theater. What I
1: think is funny is how uh, Batman wears his cowl everywhere. Like, there's a scene where he's. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And he's in a
1: robe. <laughs> Mm. And, uh,
0: I know, he took it off once in the trailer Like, oh, they should just have it where he kept it on all the time yes.
1: <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you It looks great, it looks funny I'm definitely going to see it some, some way <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's in the theater or, you know, I buy it <laughs> Yeah
0: I'll probably definitely still check it out in the theater. I mean, it's a Batman movie (laughs) to see in the theater. Why not? (laughs) Uh, I was like, Will Arnett Arnett does a good Batman. (laughs) A good comedic Batman, I should say.
1: um, But our last piece of news is sticking with the movies. Um, I think it's Kieran uh, Hines. I'm going to
0: go whatever you you say. Because (laughs) I'm
1: not sure. I think he's Irish. And I think they pronounce a C as a K.
0: Uh, okay.
1: So Kieran Hines has been cast as Steppenwolf in Justice League.
0: Yep, good to know that we finally know who's playing Steppenwolf. Now that production has stopped. <laughs> it kind of took a while. <laughs> so. sounds like it's going to be a lot of motion capture, I think, that they said what he's going to do for it. So, And when I first saw the headline, it says, you know, Game of Thrones actor cast in Justice League like oh cool now that I'm all caught up on the series I get it I get excited now when I see which actor is in another uh, franchise that I met to to see who is going to play so uh, he he played uh, in yeah, Game of Thrones. yeah but he was like, barely in Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah so I was like oh okay I mean he was good in what he was yeah. but in the show but he didn't have a bigger role so I thought I yeah
1: I, I thought it was going to be Hodor I thought he was going to be step out.
0: you know what? if he yeah, if, they were, if it is all is just motion capture yeah. stuff, maybe it could have. They needed a big guy to do it. <laughs> he would have been perfect. No, I think it should be good.
1: Or he was, or who whoever uh, whoever plays the giant. I don't know who plays the Giant. Oh yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that. I wonder if that's uh like an actor doing stop motion. How,
0: you know what? I know. I think it's probably a combination of someone in makeup for the headshots yeah. and then. Stop motion for, you know, of course, the size. Yeah. Of
1: <laughs> yeah, who 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 else from Game of Thrones could play Steppenwolf? I
0: don't know, because it depends on how, I guess, the age they want to go yeah. for it. But I could see maybe, because he is a general type character for Darkseid, so maybe I could have, then they're going to go for a villain route. The guy who played Tywin Lannister, he could Oh, yeah.
1: Character. Yeah, he would have been. All right. Um, Hmm. Sean Bean, because he's good in everything he's in. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and I'm sure Steppenwolf's gonna die, so Sean Bean would've fit right into that. So.
1: <laughs> um but yeah, uh that that's it for um our news. Um some good stuff, definitely, some bad stuff, unfortunately, uh, with uh Rick. <laughs> um but, but now we can get into our conversation with Alex so um, slash listener feedback since we got a um, email from uh, Jordan uh, so I'm gonna read Alex's right Tim, and you're Jordan alright Alex says yo ho bad laddies don't pass out Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, last episode uh, be a fine one although Power Rangers what is going on I said that Batman Batman's such a great character that can be put in anything and work but that doesn't mean he should be put with anything. Tim?
0: Well, it doesn't sound like Alex is excited for the Justice League Power Rangers <laughs> crossover. <laughs>
1: Although I don't know anything about Power Rangers other than the Sega video game. It's the only uh, game I could ever beat as a kid. I couldn't get past the first level in any other game. Okay, fine. I won't lie to you. I beat that of a Barbie's game and a Little Mermaid game. <laughs> happy, whenever I tried to. Uh,
0: yes, I am happy. to know that, Alex.
1: <laughs> whenever I tried to play games over any, uh, over anyone's house, I was the shame of all shamiest shames and ever, that ever shamed in gaming. So I ended up just watching people play. If anyone ever needs someone to boost their gaming ego, I'm your man. Unless, of course, we're playing Barbie Supermodel because I'll win at bat. (laughs) Uh, Although something tells me I won't feel like a winner no matter how well I do. (laughs) Oh, wow.
0: Well, maybe if you're just playing by yourself and no one knows, you could kind of feel like a winner for beating that (laughs) game. But I can't imagine too many group parties with guys playing a Barbie game where you'd feel like a winner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and yes, Tim, I'm a big Jimmy Stewart fan. He, Al Pacino, Christian Bale, and Mas- Masako Nozawa are my favorite actors slash actresses. And Godfather Part 3 is a good movie, in my opinion, but it's just the, that the first two movies are the greatest movies I've ever seen, and it didn't fit with them. Sofia Coppola received undeserved hatred, just like Hayden Christian. Yeah, Sofia Coppola isn't the problem with that movie. It's the whole movie is that that's the problem. Um, just like Hayden Christensen, I think the malicious fan responds, Christensen, God proves your Star Wars treatment plan for Arkham patients is kind of shaky. Dr. Dane and Dr. Tim, especially <laughs> with that uh, people uh, versus George Lucas movie, the Joker seemed more sane than them.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that movie. I refuse to watch that movie, The People vs. George Lucas, yeah. but I'm sure Alex is right in thinking <laughs> that the Joker is more sane than those fans. <laughs>
1: um, I've been reading uh, Christopher Priest's Deathstroke because I knew there was going to be a fight of Batman and Damien versus Slade and, and his do- daughter Rose. And the day has arrived. It's a good series. Priest's Batman had more personality in just a few panels than all seven of Tom King's Batman and Rose is definitely is infinitely more interesting than Duke and Gotham Girl also Wintergreen is way more likable than Alfred is Alfred being passive aggressive because he's upset at Bruce being a deadbeat dad and unless Catwoman is the third Joker uh, no that's not even an excuse Why would Bruce use the same dialogue he used with the Joker after what he did to Barbara? I didn't like Scott Snyder's psycho, mad scientist, encyclopedia spouting Bat God, but King's Batman is dope. Tom King, Tom King, come on, man, you're boring me. You see, you see, Dane, Christopher Priest, he nasty. Tom King's (laughs) bugging. Wow, does not like Tom King.
0: No, he doesn't, <laughs> but. Well, we'll see if I agree with Alex on our comic book yeah. reviews, so. <laughs> he might have a point. <laughs> and of
1: course, Alex always has questions. His first question is: What do you think of Gotham Girl's role so far? If Batman is using her to take over for him because of her extreme powers, but using those extreme powers kills her, I'm confused why he wouldn't just keep, keep on keeping on with Dick and Damien.
0: Yeah, well, that's one of the things I'm interesting to find out in Tom King's Batman run is to see what he does with Gotham Girl, because right now Bruce is trying to save her by getting the psycho pirate back, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I think he genuinely wants to help her. He knows the the trouble she has as as a human being in her childhood with getting those powers and what she's experienced now with her brother dying and her parents. So I think he wants to keep her on the team, but I don't think it's going to be that simple. Something's gonna happen after this whole I am suicide squad thing that's probably gonna put a wrinkle in her status as far as being a full on member of the bat family team, so we'll see, but that's one of the things I'm intrigued about the story so far. Just what are they gonna do with Gotham Girl when it's all said and done?
1: Um I think she's the uh DC Rebirth's new Harper role. Uh she's gonna be used mm-hmm. for this and we're never gonna see her again. <laughs>
0: Sad to say, yeah. hey, you might be right, <laughs> but hopefully it doesn't come to. Because Harper
1: was a good character, I I liked her. Um, yeah, but then they they kind of did that. Uh, uh, I forget her superhero name. The Bluebird, Bird, right? And we don't really see her now. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, we don't really see her. Um, and the second question is: What are the most memorable? Memorable, oh man. I can't speak today. To <laughs> memorable movie lands for you. For me... Well, Alex, I'm, I'm just going to mention the top three. <laughs> um, no,
0: you got to say them. All about okay, that mom.
1: all right. His first one is In My Home, In My Bedroom, Where My wife Leaves, Where My Children Come to Play With Their Toys, In My Home, From Godfather Part 2. Uh, his second one is "Rocco Alive, Godfather Part 2. His third is to all of you, all you phonies, all of you two-faced friends, you sycophantic suck-ups who smile through your teeth at me. Please leave me in peace. Please go. Stop smiling. It's not a joke. Please leave. The party's over. Get out. Batman Begins. I can't remember. He. I, I mean, I can't believe that Alex remembered all of that.
0: <laughs> it is a great line. Yeah.
1: But... Uh, his fourth is Rachel. All of this. It's not me. Inside, I am more. Batman Begins. It's not His fifth is, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Batman Begins. His sixth is, swear to me. Do you know which one this is, Tim? Batman Begins. Another great line. Not just what he says, but how he
0: says <laughs> it is also great.
1: Let's see if you know number seven, Tim. Blood, take, take poison. Blood, poison, poison. Blood, poison, Alfred
0: he's going to beat that if <laughs> uh,
1: his 8th is here comes the pain Carlito's way his ninth is I know I made a promise but I don't see this coming I didn't see this coming I didn't count on being happy please tell me that's okay Tim
0: uh, That this should be higher on your list Al- uh, Alex <laughs> from Phantasm yeah. so one of the best moments of the movie in any Batman moment in my opinion yeah <laughs>
1: His tenth is, You can act like a man. What's the matter with you? The Godfather.
0: I, see, I don't even know if I could come up with ten allies <laughs> like you have. But from probably the classic lines, of course, are going to come for me. Star Wars. The obvious one is going to be, May the Force be with you. But one of my favorite, might be my favorite line in Star Wars when Yoda just says, My ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. I love that line. So when you really have faith in something, there's nothing that can stop you, and I just have that belief system and what you truly, you know, find that gives you strength, and I love that. So that's always been one of my favorites.
1: And I'm trying to think of anything else. I'll tell you mind.
0: Yeah, I guess I will say yeah. another one of my favorites going on for Batman is in the Dark Knight where (laughs) I just love how Joker just tells Batman in the interrogation scene when he's punching him out, he has nothing to threaten me with, (laughs) or you have nothing to threaten me with, with all your strength this shows that moment why Joker is Batman's greatest villain, even if he's not as strong as Batman, I always loved how we that line and how he said it too
1: Uh, Mine is, every single line from uh, every TV show um, and movie uh, that R2 isn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's hard to argue with that one. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, so yeah, that's mine. Uh, Alex ends his email by saying Cheerio. Uh Captain Alexander or Cap Captain Al <laughs> in casual <laughs> conversation. Send from my iPhone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> put, yeah, but yeah, you read the whole email. Now. <laughs> Even where he sent it from.
1: <laughs> well if Alex is, you know, gonna send take time. Out of his day to send in an email, I have to read the whole thing, Tim.
0: Well, that's fair. Yep. But I do like Cat and Al. I think we have to start calling them. Yeah, Cat and Al.
1: That's a that's a good one. Um. Well, thank you, Alex, for all your your questions and uh, your email. And so so keep sending them in. It wouldn't be a bad fans podcast without your email. For some reason, it just wouldn't no, feel right.
0: Not. No, we'd have to cancel the whole show.
1: So. Yep. Make sure you don't stop, Alex. Yeah, well, we'd have to stop this show completely. Um, no more show after this if you didn't send in an email. So
0: No pressure. But <laughs> <laughs> keep them coming. Uh,
1: well, well, why don't you read uh, Jordan's email, Tim?
0: Yep. Jordan says, Hey, Tim and Dane. I hope you guys both had a great Halloween. I didn't don the cape and cow myself this Halloween, but I did continue my annual tradition of digging into a bunch of my favorite DC Halloween-themed content. I watched the Batman vs. Dracula BATMAN UNLIMITED MONSTER MAYHEM, BRENDY'S Night FROM THE BATMAN, AND SECRETS FROM YOUNG JUSTICE. The Batman vs Dracula is one of the best things to come out of the Batman animated series. Dracula is pretty frightening in the movie and Joker and Penguin each have their own subplots that are really well done. Also, I know how much Tim will appreciate this, it keeps with the series a uh, penchant for Fantastic, Bruce, and Alfred scenes. I consider Monster Mayhem the second best in the BATMAN UNLIMITED series. The highlights of it for me are Troy Baker's voice performance as a Joker in an incredible scene that feels kind of out of place in a movie that otherwise has very little emotional depth involving Scarecrow talking to Nightwing about how he fears becoming Batman. Grundy's Night is a good but not great episode of the Batman, but it becomes great when you view it within the context of the larger Clayface story arc of that series. And then finally Secrets, which is one of my absolute favorite Young Justice uh, episodes. It's one of the darker episodes of the series when you piece together the origin story of the villain Harm along with two uh, main heroes of the episodes Artemis and Satana it also or it does also have a hilarious B plot involving a Martian invasion hoax at the Happy Harbor high school Halloween dance I love any time we get to see heroes in their downtime yeah the only one I've seen of that was the Young Justice episode which you're right Jordan is a good one but I keep hearing great things about Batman versus Dracula I just another I keep saying this about the Batman but I have to go check out the more of that show and the episodes and the movie that it has, because as well as some of the stuff I'm not a big fan of, I know there's good stuff in there. So I definitely got to check that out, because you're not the only one that I've heard say good things about Batman versus Dracula. And he continues saying, and part of because of your guys' rave reviews, I finally decided to buy the Batman Telltale series now that it is on sale on Steam, and it won't run on my computer. It crashes every time I try to start the first episode. It was such a bummer. I love Batman slash Catwoman stories, was intrigued by their new take on Penguin, wanted to see other versions of Two Faces Origin, and was fascinated by the revelations about Thomas Wayne. This disappointment coupled with the disaster that was the PC release of Arkham Knight might just be enough to convince me to buy a console, even though I don't play any don't play many other video games besides Batman ones. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> and you got it and then you can't run. <laughs> Yeah, I would it, definitely say yes. Get a console. They're coming down in price now. The Xbox One and the PlayStation Four. Where I think, if you just got it to play Batman games, it would be worth it.
1: Yeah, and it's not only that. It's it's, it's good to have just in case. You know, you see a game that you like, um, or, well, that's my theory behind it. Like, I'm I'm not gonna play it every single day of every sing- every single hour of every single day. But if I see a game that I like or that I'm interested in. Uh, I always have something to play it on because I'm not computer savvy or whatever.
0: Yeah, same here. It's just yeah. more easier convenient to me just to play it on a console. So Yeah,
1: oh and yeah. and speaking of uh, Troy Baker, he does the voice of Batman slash Bruce Wayne in uh, the, the 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 Batman tell yeah. Telltale series.
0: And does a great job yeah. too. Alright, Jordan continues saying with regards to Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders the line that pissed me off a little bit was Robin saying, wholly unsatisfying ending after Catwoman suggests Batman go away with her to a cafe in Paris. Yeah, so this is regards to Jordan's last email where I didn't know what he was talking to for a line that was in reference to another movie, but it was kind of a dig at it, and I didn't remember it, but now that he mentioned it here, I remember and now know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of agree with it, because yeah, it was a little jab at the same time It's not going to be probably picked up by so many people. Obviously, I didn't pick up on it right away, but when I remember reading this from Jordan Zemo, I was like, okay, that's right. (laughs) He goes, "Uh, it's not like that jab came out of nowhere because I've heard a lot of fans complain about the ending of the movie for a variety of reasons, but I don't get those complaints because I think it is one of the greatest film endings of all time. Somebody finally gave Bruce Wayne a happy ending. As much as I love Batman Beyond, it's honestly depressing how alone Bruce is. He's completely estranged from the two DCAU Robins, although he does make amends with Tim Drake in Return of the Joker, and he and he and Barbara aren't on good terms either. In the episode Out of the Past, I feel so bad for Bruce as he looks at the pictures on the back computer of the women from his failed relationships. Nolan let Bruce live happily ever after with Selina Kyle after saving Gotham City and passing the mantle of Batman over to John Blake. That is a perfect ending. It's just frustrating to me that Return of the Caped Crusaders decided it would be funny to join with some of the fans and pick on it. Yeah, completely agree 100% Jordan. It's, especially now that it's four years old, it's almost like people still bagging and making cheap joke jabs at the prequels. Like, Come on, just let it go. Even if you weren't happy with the ending, no need to poke a, poke a jab at it, because I totally agree. For the self-contained story that the Dark Knight trilogy was, it was a great ending for Bruce, and To finally see him get a happy ending was cool, so I agree with you 100%. He goes, I'm totally with you, Tim. Just like Young Justice, Green Lantern the animated series was another phenomenal animated series that got cancelled far too soon. It was an emotional roller coaster of a series, which I guess is fitting given the premise of the emotional spectrum. I loved the buddy cop aspect of it with Hal and Kilowog, but then it also got me so invested in two completely original characters, Razor and Aya. In addition, Bruce Timm's art hey, is Tim. really good in CG style.
1: Who is Killawog?
0: Oh, you don't know who Kilowog is? No.
1: Uh, I, I've, you don't even I've, remember
0: him from the Green Lantern movie?
1: I've never really uh, been into Green Lantern.
0: He's the alien, he's like the drill sergeant of the Green Lantern Corps. He kind of looks like a hippopotamus. Hippopotamus? He's really big. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll just send you a picture okay. of him. I think you'll recognize him once you see him. All right. <laughs> But he's one of the best characters in the Green Lantern mythos. He's really good, oh. and his catchphrase is Poozer That's what he calls every green, new Green Lantern recruit. What
1: um? What planet is he from?
0: You uh, see, you're gonna make me look like a bad Green Lantern fan now. <laughs> I can't remember. But it's a planet where most of his species got wiped out. He's one of the last ones, if not the last of his
1: species. Oh. So, I'm just looking. Yeah, I'll just oh, I see. Them. Okay, yeah, I know who that is now.
0: Okay, yeah. did you just look him up? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. He was played by Michael Clark Duncan, in the, or voiced by him in The Green Lantern. Oh, movie. was he?
1: Yeah. Huh. I don't even remember him.
0: Because he wasn't barely in it, that's why. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was one of the best parts of it.
1: And, and, who, and what's the name of the, the, the bad guy in that movie?
0: Sinestro? Yeah, Sinestro. Oh, wait, well, he's the bad Green Lantern Corps member who goes bad, but in that movie, he didn't actually go bad.
1: No, no, but that, that's who I was thinking about.
0: Okay. Yeah. Alright, he goes I mean, I suppose I kind of already know that it would look good having played DCAU based video games like Rise of Sensu, but to see it that way in an actual animated series was amazing I really wish that series got a second season. I'm assuming we would have seen the payoff of John Stewart Tease in season one, and I bet we would have seen a lot more of Sinestro as well Yep, I think we were in for even better stuff than Green Lantern, the animated series, if it got more episodes. It's a darn shame. <laughs> and his questions are, what are your thoughts on Rick Famuyiwa, <laughs> I had to say it one more time, <laughs> leaving the Flash movie? I'll admit I'm a little concerned. He was the second director they've had on the project, and the movie is now without a director less than a year and a half out from its release. And while I understand that creative differences is a very vague umbrella term that the studio would use for any type of disagreement between them and a the director, the mere fact that there was a disagreement makes me feel that Warner Brothers may still not have learned to let these DCEU directors make their movies without much studio interference. Yeah, well, I think we've kind of said <laughs> how we felt about this early in the episodes, and it sounds like you're on the same page with us on this, Jordan. Yeah. So. Um, the second question is, speaking of the great job the Batman did of portraying Bruce and Alfred's relationship, what are your three all-time favorite Bruce and Alfred moments? I'll go with number three, Alfred telling Bruce Bruce he'll never give up on him and Batman Begins, two, Alfred telling Bruce he's leaving him in The Dark Knight Rises, and one, Alfred consoling Bruce at the end of Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, this is a great question where <laughs> I had to think of the best Alfred moments, because I you know there's quite a few. But for me, um, Number three, I'd go with it's a small one from *Mask of the Phantasm*, but like the one you mentioned was great too, where he consoles Bruce and tells him about the abyss that he and Andrea uh, fell or could have fell into, but he didn't, which was great. But I love the line where he kind of hints at Bruce going to see Andrea, and Bruce just goes, "You think you know everything about me, do you?" And Alfred just goes, "Tell him about you know he's the I doesn't your bottom since, since you're a baby or something like that." I bloody well ought to, sir. (laughs) I just loved how he's reminding Bruce that he's been there since he was a baby, changing his diapers. (laughs) And yes, he should know everything about him. So I just love that interplay to their long-lasting father-son type relationship that they have. Just a great way to kind of express that in a funny way. And second, I'm going to go with a more recent one that was in the Zero Year comic. Uh, It was kind of going on pretty early where Bruce is uh, not fully Batman yet, but going out and fighting crime and Alfred's not too happy about the way he's doing things. And Bruce is kind of thinking, Oh, you just don't like the fact that I'm doing this with my life, putting myself in danger. And Alfred goes, no, that's not it at all. I think you're going about this the wrong way because you're not doing it as Bruce Wayne. Also, you need to go back to Wayne enterprises, make yourself known because at that time period, he was still pronounced dead from being gone so long. And Bruce is telling him, you know, you got to do good as Bruce Wayne too, as well as, you know, being out as a vigilante. And he said somehow, your parents would be ashamed that you're not using your Bruce Wayne name to do that. And that kind of makes Batman snap a little bit and just starts yelling at Alfred and saying, like, how could you say that? What have you done? And like, honor their memory or to that effect. And Alfred just slaps them in the face as as like father would to, you know, knock some sense into his son that's kind of acting a little bratty in a way. So, another aspect of showing their father-son dynamic. And this is a great way to build the beginning of the the relationship as Batman and Alfred, too, and how they go about uh, helping him with this crusade on crime. And I thought it was a realistic take on how that would would be in having the disagreements about how to go about it in both aspects of Bruce Wayne and as later Batman, even though he's not Batman yet. Then it comes together in a nice moment where Bruce gets um, beat up by the Red Hood gang. And even after that fight, Alfred is there to patch him up get him back to normal and he tells that to Bruce no matter what I'll always be here to patch you up and see that you're okay so I always loved that moment between Alfred and Bruce it was kind of a realistic moment of how you would think they they would have an argument like that if he was Bruce was dead set on raging this war on crime there are going to be disagreements with him and Alfred so early on in that stage of it and I really liked how that played out and then for number one I'm going to go with your number three Jordan I love that moment in Batman Begins where Bruce felt he lost everything. Wayne Manor is burning down. They're escaping in that elevator. And Bruce just can't believe what happened. And Alfred says that great line Why did we fall? And then I just love the look that Bruce gives Alfred. He sees about to cry and he just says, You still haven't given up on me. And Alfred just goes, Never. This is a great moment between the two that no matter how bad things get, nothing's going to come between those two except what we saw later. the Dark Knight Rises, but at that moment <laughs> it was where, you know, that bond that they have was just going to be so strong so I love that moment that was my number one, so those would be my top three Alfred Bruce
1: moments um, I I definitely agree with your three and two uh, Jordan uh, but my number one is um, the scene in the Bat Bunker in Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight w- w- with yeah. the Jewel Thief and everything I just thought that was a really great Alfred moment and, you know, explaining to Bruce what uh, the Joker might be doing, why he's doing what he's doing. So, yeah, de- definitely that one.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Also, too, when uh, Batman's about to reveal himself and right before they're going out of the bunker and, Alfred, oh, and Bruce yeah. tells Alfred, oh, you're the accomplice, I'm going to tell him it's all your <laughs>
1: idea. <laughs> um, oh, and he concludes his email by saying, Best, Jordan. Uh, did, did you send this with your with your iPhone no he didn't
0: <laughs> yeah so we got all this one read even though we didn't have the where it was sent from yeah
1: the sent from my iPhone Um, but now we can move on to our comic book reviews unless there's anything else to
0: nope I think that was it so as usual thanks as always Jordan and Alex for sending your emails keep them coming yep
1: definitely and if you want to email the show uh, you can email the show uh, at, at gmail.com. Uh, but now we can get into our comic book, comic book reviews and look at the beginning of every comic book review section. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of spoilers in this, so if you um haven't read your comics yet, uh, read your comics and then come back to this part later. We'll be waiting for you. Right, Tim?
0: Yep, we're not starting this section until you read your comics. So, but we'll start the clock. But right just
1: now. remember to hit pause on your uh, podcast player or iTunes or whatever you listen to podcasts on. So just remember to hit pause and then we'll wait for you, all right?
0: Yeah, because we don't want to be waiting here forever. come on. (laughs) Uh,
1: But for this episode, we got Detective Comics number 943, Batman Beyond number 1, Batman number 10, and Wonder Woman number 9. And our rating scale for this episode is going to be um, Chicago teams that Mark likes, but no, that no, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Our, <laughs> our rating field <laughs> for this episode is going to be uh, Chicago teams that Mark doesn't like,
0: while he likes, yeah, other well, Chicago yeah, while teams, he well, like while that. he likes
1: <laughs> other Chicago teams. So okay, so the, the max you could give, you could give, um. A comic book is a two out of five because he likes uh, the Cubs and uh, the Chicago Blackhawks.
0: Other <laughs> <laughs> than that, is anything higher? is gonna be an exaggeration yeah. and not. Yeah, true.
1: <laughs> it, it it would be untrue, Tim. And un- unfortunately, I didn't get to read my comics this episode. I've just been busy. I barely had time to play the um, uh, episode three of the Batman series. Ah. <laughs> it was one or the other, Tim. Well,
0: Yeah, I think you made the right choice (laughs) That continued a really great story Even though there are some good comics in this week's batch So Detective Comics 943 Um, This one I was I don't want to say concerned But I was curious of how this next story arc would be After the great first one We got in Detective Comics Since Rebirth And I'm glad to say This one is off to a great start Just like the first one was Intriguing story already And more awesome great character moments it starts off with there was an attack on Wayne Enterprises, and there's like graffiti on the main sign on the building that says "No More Bat Symbol" sprayed in red. And Renee Montoya called Batwoman in to check it out because she first, you know, assumes it was for her because it was in her symbol that was spray painted on the, uh, the Wayne Enterprise building. The the assailants there they only killed the officers. They didn't steal anything. They didn't hurt anybody else. And they were looking at surveillance footage with Lucius Fox telling them about these assailants, they're seeing what they look like on the security footage. So, that's where the issue starts and uh, then we get a moment where Bruce is still interrogating uh, Jacob Kane and he's in a holding cell and Batman's, you know, trying to do all he can again on the talk, but he's not having any effect. Jacob Kane just saying, "You don't scare me." And it's kind of weird to see Batman in the situation where he doesn't have the upper hand and it makes sense since he is technically family and he knows about Bruce so Bruce doesn't have the advantage like he usually does in these interrogation rooms and you can kind of tell it's frustrating him so um, that was a pretty uh, neat moment to know that you're not just totally moving on from the last story arc there are still some open threads here and we just finally we got to see where uh, Jacob Kane was being held by Batman even though he's not having success so I like seeing that and then we got a great moment with Batwoman talking to Bruce Tone and what happened at Wayne Enterprises and how their team is, you know, a little disoriented right now, especially Stephanie Brown. She's not responding to their calls. And it was another reminder of what happened with Tim. And there's a great panel here where as Batwoman is saying that, you know, how Stephanie isn't the same soldier since Tim, since they lost Tim. And Batman's like, do you really do You have to remind me of that? How, how could you think I forget? And we just got this great panel of him with his head down, his hand over his head, and you see Tim's costume, his awesome Robin costume, I should reiterate, in a glass case, similar to how Jason was. So a great panel there. And then speaking of Harper Rowe, she appeared in Detective Comics on this issue. Uh, Stephanie's just oh, looking she's for comfort. Making a return. Yeah, she's working, you know, doing volunteer work at a hospital, yeah. uh, at Tompkins Clinic, Leslie Tompkins Clinic, which was cool that Stephanie still goes to her for comfort to get her through this tough time of was losing Tim. And even John Paul Valley is doing volunteer work there, which is kind of strange to see him in this Avenue after just associating him so much with Nightfall. So uh, then one of my favorite moments here is between Orphan and Clayface where they're doing some training in the quote mud room, (laughs) as their training facility is called. And they're taking on man bats and they're having success about them or defeating these man bats and Clayface and Orphan, you know, are celebrating their success and they're all all right. Let's see what this computer can do. Give us the ugliest, the biggest bad guy from the bat computer And take a guess of what it brings up Clayface. <laughs> it brings up this big, huge Clayface monster image. And that kind of startles Basil a little bit. And Orphan just says, you know, computer, stop the program. And the t- Clayface just falls to the floor, just saying, you no, know, that's all I am. That's all I'll ever be, just a monster. So then Orphan's there to comfort him, saying, you know, not anymore. Just more great team dynamic, team building moments that this series has done a great job so far since Rebirth launched, and it's, we're just getting more of it. I love every time we get panels and sections like that in the Detective Comics. It's just so good. So Bruce and uh, uh, Kate are going to this fundraiser for the GCPD, but yet there's protesters there because they don't like that they're, you know, associated with Batman, especially with Gordon, and uh, Kate is kind of wondering why they he even bothered going and Batman's there to recruit someone for the team with the loss of Tim Drake and that is going to be Luke Fox another guy who's very tech savvy and Bruce thinks will be good for the team but Kate doesn't think so because uh, he's kind of you know really going about the playboy image of a celebrity just there to play to the cameras there for having fun and good time not really concerned with doing what's best as a superhero so Kate doesn't really trust him but Bruce, Bruce does, especially, you know, being so close with the Fox family. And I kind of forgotten about Luke and Batwing. It's been a while since we've had stories with him. And it, he has an awesome costume. So if he comes back with that costume, I'm going to be all for that. But I do like the, the ready, a rift between uh, Luke and Kate where she doesn't really trust him and doesn't think he's doing things for the right intentions uh, like Bruce does. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fits into the new team dynamic and And I imagine it's not going to be good because I'm sure Stephanie and some of the other members are going to probably not take to him right away, thinking he needs a replacement for Tim, who is irreplaceable amongst that team. So it should be interesting to see how he uh, gets along with the other members of this new team. So excited to see how that plays out. And then the issue ends with the team, or the criminals that attacked the Wayne Enterprises, attacks this police fundraiser, and they're calling themselves the Victim Syndicate. And I like their angle that they're playing up here because they're making it seem like or they're a group of villains who are affected by who they call the greatest villain Gotham has ever known, Batman. So I do like how this group are people who were affected somehow, way by something maybe Batman didn't directly do but something he was involved with and they're blaming him. And they all look like freaks and monsters uh, where you could tell they would have a grudge for whoever uh, they feel is responsible for their uh, plight that uh that caused them to become to how they are now not normal anymore so i do like that angle they're thinking batman is the greatest villain it seems like they're going to be a group that in their mind they're doing good but really they're bad so all around this issue had great character moment set up another cool story arc with their villains and detective comics just keeps on rolling so i'm going to give this one 4 out of 5 chicago teams that mark doesn't root for but yet roots for two <laughs> so Batman Beyond number one now the series officially kicks off after its rebirth special and it picks up right after that last issue ended where we got the reveal the Joker's gang is trying to revive the original Joker and they have Dana captured and I do like how the main leader of this Joker gang who like I said was someone we saw in the animated series named Carter but he's going or he wants to be called by the name Terminal now and I like the dialogue he had with Dana as far as Telling her that Joker really is the people or the person, or the historical figure that most people look up to in Gotham. It's not Batman. Uh, for those, for the people in the different emotions that they feel in life, like when you're just having a bad day, things aren't going right. Who do people think more like, Batman or the Joker? It's the Joker, because you know we all have those emotions where we get upset and whatnot, and the Joker brings that out. Yeah, it's a twisted way of viewing things, but I definitely bought into someone like a Joker's game member would believe that, how Joker is, you know, the more inspirational figure in Gotham other than Batman. So it's a pretty good twist on how those who look up to the Joker and want to be like him would, you know, kind of make it where or rationalize that it is the more reasonable thing to do to bring him back to make Gotham the way it really is instead of Batman. So I like that idea of the Joker's gang and that's what their goal is. And then we got some cool stuff uh, between uh, Terry's uh, brother Matt and uh, Max who he's bringing into the Batcave and Matt's always been a character who was always underused in Batman Beyond. It was always assumed oh he's probably going to be Terry's Robin and I think maybe they will eventually do that but it's good to see that he's being a more active role in Terry's crusade as Batman. He's kind of being his, uh, like kind of how Max was his, and Bruce was in the show. The people behind the scenes uh, giving him directions on where to go from the back computer. Looks like he's taking up that role, which is pretty cool to see. And Terry uh, continues to go up against the Joker's gang. we last left off, he was going up against this Venom-enhanced Joker's gang member and was buried in rubble. He gets out of that. We get a pretty cool fight sequence uh, as he takes out this uh, venom induced Joker's gang member by slamming his batarangs on the back of his uh, Venom tubes that he had connected to him. This is a, a cool, brutal fight scene, but that wasn't the end of it because Terry gets mobbed by a bunch of different jokers gang members and he's just realizing you know what? i just can't jump into this like nothing has happened he's been out of the game for a while and he's rusty and he kind of overestimated himself and he just has to escape for this moment because there's no way he can beat this many joker members and flies away with his suit pretty damaged and ripped up so i like too how it was kind of realistic of you know being back for so long you just can't jump into being Batman again especially for someone like him who's still fairly new at this I'm assuming at this point of Batman Beyond so I like how it played into that aspect where he overestimated himself he needs to do better so what does he decide to do instead of going back as Batman he's going to infiltrate as one of the Jokers (laughs) and the last page is him in disguise with Joker makeup to go undercover so a good issue a good solid continuation from what we got in the Rebirth special and kind of Still anxious to see what they're gonna do with the Joker. If that really is him, is he gonna be revived at all? What's how is he gonna play into it? So curious to see how that's gonna end up when it's all said and done. But it's just good to have a Batman Beyond story again <laughs> after two issues in, I'm enjoying it. So I'm gonna give this one three out of five Chicago teams that Mark ruse for, other than the two here already does. And now it's time for Batman number ten. And uh, this one, (laughs) I'm just going to go out and say it, I was disappointed with it. I really liked the first part of I Am Suicide, but this one, yeah, I had a lot of issues with it, unfortunately. Um, It starts off with a pretty cool action sequence of Bruce and the Batwing having this fight with these two, with uh, about four fighter planes guarding Santa Prisca, and it was a pretty cool action sequence, but there's this monologue that's going over pretty much the whole issue of someone telling Bruce of what their childhood was like and how they're kind of similar, but yet different. And um, I'm just going to say it right now. It was Catwoman who was revealed to be this narration It's pretty much writing a letter to Bruce and telling her how she feels, how her upbringing was. And I will say it was some good stuff in there getting information on her background story, how she was an orphan who lived in a Wayne uh, Foundation orphanage that was set up after his parents died and she was there, but then an an attack happened, and a lot of the orphans died, and instead of feeling how Bruce felt, where she wanted to stop that from happening ever again and doing it to stop crime, all she could think about was killing those responsible. So I liked how it set up both had similar tragedies, and they were connected for her living in a Thomas and Martha Wayne orphanage, but yet she went about it differently than Bruce, wanting to kill and get revenge, instead of Bruce doing... Uh, fighting crime his way and not killing but yet uh, stopping from what happened to him from anyone else or happening to anyone else so I did like that but I just felt it didn't fit with the overall issue and what we were getting in this I Am Suicide Squad story of Batman trying to Infiltrate, Santa Prisca confronting Bane and taking out uh, or just getting back Psycho Pirate it just didn't fit what was going on on the page I thought because we see him fighting this mob of soldiers he gets captured and brought to Bane And I do like Bane so far. He wasn't in it that much. And he's off the Venom, but yet we know he's being affected by Psycho Pirate. And he's telling him he's free of that drug. And another thing is, I can't remember. I want to say Nightfall didn't happen now because we know with the New 52, they said one thing and other things happened. But it made it like Nightfall never happened. And he's saying, if I had the Venom, I could break you. But he never said, like, I did break you or like I broke you before, so I think Nightfall hasn't happened. And it kind of made it like they wanted to do their own little Nightfall thing here because Bane roughs Batman up a little bit. And then he actually, in their own ways, snaps his back in a different way than Nightfall, which was like, eh, I know what you're trying to do here, but I don't think it, you hit the mark with what you're going for. I didn't get that. Ah, oh, cool factor. This is a nice homage to Nightfall. It was like, eh, you're trying to do something similar, yet the same, but it didn't have the same impact. That's for sure. Because Batman is on the floor, body face down, and Bane just picks half of his body up and just like snaps it back. He didn't snap it back on his knee like we've seen in Nightfall. Just wasn't the same impact. And I know they're trying to go for that Nightfall feel. So Bane dumps Batman into the cell that he was being held captive in as a kid in Santa Prisca. Like I said, all that dialogue's going on through this from Catwoman telling Bruce her story. Then even the way Bruce kind of snaps his back, <laughs> it's, uh, I guess the oral capacity is a little crazy too. He punches these four holes in the wall, puts his hands, fists, and uh, feet in there, and just bends his body backwards to snap it back in place. And I know a lot of people had a hard time believing in Dark Knight Rises, how his back heals so quickly. This was even more far-fetched. It was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so after that happens, he easily escapes from the prison that Bane kept him in. And he meets up with Catwoman Arnold Wesker saying how your plan went perfectly, so what do we do now? And So like, like typical Batman fashion, this is probably all his plan to get captured, get to confront Bane, but yet he has something else in mind. But another thing that bugged me in this issue... The way Batman was written in here, he said the same thing over and over. It just did not feel like Batman. And to me, it reminded me of Eningo uh, Montoya uh, from uh, The Princess Bride where he kept saying that line, my name is Eningo Montoya, you killed my father, prepared to die. <laughs> Batman said the same thing over and over again. He says, Bane, I've come to, i come for the Psycho Pirate. Turn him over, I go away. Refuse to turn him over, and I will break your damn bag's Pardon the language. (laughs) But he says that over and over. When Bane captures him, he says that again. When he's down in that cell, he says that. And when Catwoman comes into... uh, At the end where she sees him, he says that to her again. It's just like, man, what is... Why is Batman talking like this? This seems so out of character. I thought that didn't fit at all. Catwoman's monologue throughout the whole issue I thought was misplaced, even though it was cool to learn that backstory for her. It just... Didn't feel like it all came together in this issue, so I'm just gonna give this one two out of five. Uh, Chicago teams that Mark's root for, so that one's in uh, matches up perfectly to the team he actually roots for, it too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I mean, let's see. There's the Chicago Blackhawks, the Chicago Cubs, the White Sox, the Bulls, and let's just say the, the yeah, the yeah, the Bears. Okay, so five. So yeah, that that equals up. A-
0: perfectly yeah yeah this issue was very disappointing Uh-oh. unfortunately
1: Uh-oh. it started off
0: good too with part one of I Am Suicide I hope it picks out yeah there's something to why Batman just kept saying that line over and over again it just seems so weird and out of character to me so again looks like with uh, Tom King with the I Am Gotham story he had some good ones and he had some misses in the story arc and looks like that's going to be the case with I Am Suicide Squad it's just not going to be a smooth run so which is a little disappointing Yeah. But uh, Wonder Woman number nine. This one is continuing the lie storyline, which I actually thought ended (laughs) in the previous part. Because it sounded like they wrapped everything up with defeating that villain. And this one was kind of, you know, the aftermath of everybody who was involved with that. Steve Trevor is getting a debriefing. We know that Cheetah is back to normal as Barbara Ann, and Wonder Woman is uh, taking her out shopping at the mall. It looks like they're. the commander of this whole operation, her name's Candy who's also you know, behind the scenes I think secretly working for another corporation who's uh, not really to be trusted but this is a great moment where they're in the mall where there's this mob of people there to see Wonder Woman and they're kind of <laughs> wondering how Wonder Woman's going to handle it and there's a great piece of dialogue here because Wonder Woman goes oh I'm just going to go out and say hello and I'll catch up with you guys later and then the character Candy just says, or Barbara Ann goes like, doesn't she know she's not obligated to go see them? And the character Candy says, yeah, she knows. She doesn't do it because she thinks she has to. She does it because she knows how much it means to them that she does. And you just see a great splash page of this mall. It's crowded, people just standing everywhere just to see a glimpse of Wonder Woman. And just, you know, showcasing the hope and inspiration that Wonder Woman gives to the characters in the story and just even in real life a symbol of inspiration that she provides, so I'm sure of so many people, So, which is kind of cool. And so, like I said, it turns out there's this corporation called the Empire Enterprises where the CEO is that is trying to kind of get the same thing Wonder Woman is after, finding the mascara, but yet wants to take control of Wonder Woman. We don't know what her endgame is, but she's involved in, you know, wanting to <laughs> find the mascara, just like Wonder Woman have uh, control, I guess, of her it's because she does mention that that one was now under our control, but we don't know for what purpose yet. And I think that character, like uh, Candy, is involved with that kind of playing of double agent, so to speak. So we'll see where that goes. And the other big part of this issue, as Barbara Ann's trying to figure out why they can't find the mascara, Diane and Steve kind of have a nice moment together because after everything that's going on since the new 52. Her relationship with Superman what their relationship is kind of laying everything out and decide where they go from here and it was kind of almost like a cleansing of the plate type of thing as far as getting a fresh start because we know the whole romance with her and Superman didn't work out well even from a story standpoint and so it made it turn out that her and Steve are always meant to be together and they kind of play that in the way they were talking to each other which I thought was uh, kind of nice to see and see that this is where the relationship is going. It's not like a will they, won't they type thing. Superman being dead now going to play a factor. But they kind of laid all that out, got past it, and they just said that, you know, no matter what happened, one woman tells Steve, I have never forgotten you, and Steve says I'll always be in your corner. And then they share a nice kiss on the splash page. But before they can enjoy the moment, Steve gets a call from Barbara Ann that they have something about how to find the Mascara. And it turns out that it's not something physical that it disappeared. It's just that, for some reason, Wonder Woman doesn't have access to it. Only those with divine power can be able to go to the actual plane of existence to where the Mascara is. Because the physical island, you can see, but it's not the Mascara. And for some reason, Wonder Woman does not have access to that anymore. and That's what they're trying to figure out. So they have an idea to go to a point of where it would be, at its where its barrier is kind of weak. So her Diane and Steve go there, and it turns out it worked because she's there as Steve in Wonder Woman Land. Her mother and a bunch of other Amazons are there to greet her, and she just says, Welcome home to Wonder Woman. Things look, I mean, it's raining. It doesn't look very peaceful. The sky's red. So I'm curious to see what the status is of Paradise Island right here. And there's probably something more to it than a Wonder Woman's mother uh, kind of welcoming her with open arms. I'm sure there's something else going on there and we'll probably find out why, hopefully why she wasn't able to have access to it before. So I'm glad that the series is moving forward where she did get what she was set out to do to find the mascara and hopefully get more insights to her lost memories which we got teased about in uh, the Rebirth special and why she's having conflicting memories which is the whole reason that prompted her journey. So another solid issue was a good you know, uh, issue to... Take a step back from the actual story, catch up with the characters and how they're dealing with the aftermath of the events from the first five parts of this live story arc, and a nice moment for Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor. So, uh, this was another good issue. I'm going to go ahead and give it four out of five Chicago teams that Mark rules for, besides his other two.
1: Okay, so let's let's say the the White Sox, because I know how much he likes the Cubs. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably not going to make him mad. (laughs) And the Bulls then. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it, right?
0: That's it, yep. So, wow. Three good issues, one disappointing one with Batman.
1: Uh, well, hopefully it'll get better.
0: Hopefully. I don't think it can get much worse than that <laughs> one. At least I hope not, because then it'd be really bad. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> um, but just go over to net on facebook.com, slash batmanuniverse, or on Twitter, Twitter handles at batmanuniverse, the show's Twitter handles at batfanspodcast, Tim's Twitter handles at @timg Three one one. and my Twitter handle is at Dane Says Banana uh, rate and reviews on iTunes and if you want to email the show uh, you can email the show at badfanswithoutpants at gmail.com so with that like we say at the end of every single episode Tim just remember if you're ever feeling alone in this world just know that Tim and Dane do in fact care about you right Tim with, with all, of all of our hearts we'll see you guys next time go Cubs go go Cubs go